What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. This is episode 57, and we are continuing our 2021 Colorado football preview, this time with 3A. I am your co-host, Simon Villanos. And I'm your other co-host, Cody Stoffer. And like I said, we're back at it. 3A, we're kind of getting into the higher divisions of Colorado football. We are getting into the higher divisions of Colorado football arguably the most the more known more well-known divisions of Colorado football these are some teams here that are more recognizable and uh well I, I shouldn't say more recognizable but you know to out-of-staters are more recognizable and whatnot and so we have some great football teams once again you know the talent is stacking up a little bit more here and so um let's talk about per usual let's talk about the previous seasons during covid and whatnot the 2020 season cody do you want to get this thing started talking about the fall season i know we've actually talked about this fall season i want to say a handful of times in the past um you know because obviously we did interview jordan wolverton plus a handful of other players as well and so we have talked about this 3a season kind of more so than any other season arguably so uh, there you go. But, you know, let's go ahead and get into it. Um, and yeah, absolutely. So talking about what happened in the three a fall season. These were the seeds in order. You had Roosevelt High School as the number one seed. Holy Family High School as the number two seed. The Durango Demons as the three seed. The Pueblo South Colts as the fourth seed. You had Meade High School as the fifth seed. Lutheran High School as the sixth seed. Evergreen High School as the seventh seed and Fort Morgan High School as the eighth seed. There are going to be a lot of familiar names as we talk through these, you know, teams because we did a lot of breakdowns on a lot of these players, actually. And uh, a certain amount of them, you know, made some top five lists of ours as well. So talking about what happened in the bracket in the opening round, Roosevelt barely squeaks by Fort Morgan, 17 to 16. If you haven't, you know, we have a Brig Hartson breakdown as, as well as a couple of other breakdowns that we will plug later on the show. But definitely a team that, you know, was in in the championship for a reason. But I'll get to that in a second. They obviously advanced to the second round. Pueblo South actually won by forfeit against Meade. I would assume that this was COVID related because one of our buddies, uh, Scott Martinson, who I actually coached with at Greeley West High School on that freshman team. But anyways, he was telling us that they were having like a lot of breakouts because isn't his dad the head coach over there at Mead? <laughs> no, his dad's a science teacher. Uh, he, he's uh, he's really uh, close with the coaching staff. He actually used to play. Oh no, he played there. He played. There. Yeah, That's he went there. So he 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 grew up there. You know, his parents currently teach there right now as well. So yeah. Yeah. So, you know, he, he has those ties and, and was filling us in the entire time. Um, so, yeah, that was a COVID-related incident. And then on the lower half of the bracket, Holy Family waxed Evergreen 41-6 to because Chassa um, didn't allow Griffin Loritano to play, who is our number four-rated quarterback last year in our top five quarterbacks episode. Did you say what? four? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so our number four rated quarterback wasn't allowed to play. Um, it's an interesting story there. We'd still love to hear Griffin's side of things. And uh, 
hey, colleges, he's still freaking available, I'm pretty sure. So um, sign this kid. But anyways, Holy Family dispatches Evergreen pretty easily. And Durango also dispatched of Lutheran 47-6. to And the semi-finals, you had Roosevelt against Pueblo South and Holy Family against Durango. Durango actually, I guess it would technically count as an upset win, being they were the three seed and Holy Family is the two seed, but... Really, they walked away with this one, 34-14. And Roosevelt also just obliterated the Colts, 49-19. In which case, you get the Durango Demons and the Roosevelt, I believe it's the Rough Riders in the championship, with Durango capturing a 21-14 win. And that was the fall bracket. Uh, Some of these teams that we won't be talking about here uh, heading forward... I'm not talking about Pueblo South, and I'll kind of go into why, and then I'll let Simon kind of go into why. But I think a lot of it, or I would guess Simon's reasoning for not having these guys either, is that they're losing George Longoria, uh, who is an absolute monster this past year, um, who, who ran for 964 yards and 13 touchdowns. Uh, Simon, do you have anything to, else to add on to Pueblo South. I mean, there's definitely some things to like about Pueblo South as well. So I'm not writing them off. I'm just saying that we don't have them as one of our contenders per se. Yeah, absolutely. I I mean, I'll be completely honest with you. Even if they did bring back George Longoria, I mean, (laughs) you saw what happened to them when they played Roosevelt and Roosevelt didn't even win it all. They lost 49 to 19 and maybe there's like a deeper story there and whatnot. But I, I don't know. I don't think this was a team that was really going to like contend, even if they brought everyone back, to be completely honest with you. Now, they have some great individual players and whatnot. You already mentioned George, um, the one that is returning and arguably their best athlete just on the squad in, uh, in general is their quarterback slash cornerback, I want to say, Jace Bella. He, in my opinion, is arguably one of the best athletes in the entire state, you know. He's explosive. He's a hard hitter. Like, if you see this dude's, like, defensive highlights, like, he just goes at dudes. And, like, there's almost never a play where he's not putting a licking on somebody because he's just that dominant of an athlete. Obviously, he has the speed and the acceleration and all that. But, uh, uh, I don't know just in general you know i think he's a fantastic athlete they also have offensive tackle brian mata out there you know he's a solid guy but i just don't think that squad is enough to like to to make a lot of noise i think they'll make a lot of games interesting you know like if there's a game out there that is uh or i don't know if they're playing a team that may be overlooking them they're definitely a squad that could beat that team based on these two players here because i could definitely see jace bella having like a phenomenal season and just going crazy but that doesn't necessarily mean that it'll translate into wins which i think is a big thing to keep in mind because a lot of these teams that we're going to talk about are stacked on every level it's not just that they have a great line or great receivers or you know just a great running game like no they got you know some great dbs they got some solid receivers they have a quarterback that's kind of a big deal that could throw the ball as well that's something jace kind of struggled with last year he was more of a running quarterback if i'm being completely honest with you um and then you know you have running backs 
Uh, that's always been kind of a staple of Colorado football, having multiple running backs, really of any football, I guess, if you want to go there. And so uh, I just don't think Pueblo South has enough. Um, even if they were to return everyone, I don't think they would have had enough anyways. So yeah, there you go. On top of that, they're also losing. He's also losing his best receiver in uh, Luke. Um, man, I'm. I'm not even going to try because I'm going to butcher it. I know I am. Okay. Uh, but anyways, right. uh, the, who was a first team All-State wide receiver. And, you know, one one of the... Oh, also, everyone who caught a pass for Pueblo South graduated. Like, I'm not even kidding. All of... Everyone who caught a pass was a senior last year. So they have an entire new stable of pass catchers. Which, you know, is not ideal. And three of their top five tacklers. So other than Jace and... Uh, you know, that first team All-State tackle, uh, Brian Mata, you know, there's not a whole lot coming back. Like Simon, And like Simon said, even if they did bring everyone back, I just don't know if, you know, they, they have the overall talent everywhere that's needed to compete. I could definitely see them maybe squeaking into the playoffs, um, especially because I think the brackets are going to go, or at least I'm pretty sure the brackets go back to 16 this year. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I could definitely see them making the playoffs. But I just am not sure how much that they're going to do in the playoffs. And if Meade didn't have to forfeit last year, I'm not sure how they do against Meade in the opening round if Meade is fully healthy. So, Yeah, very true. Uh, though, you know, they're probably going to beat a playoff team, you know, in the playoffs. I don't know if they're a one-and-done type of squad. I think they're going to upset somebody. That's just kind of a... I don't know. I just kind of have that feeling. They kind of have that feeling of an underdog team. And so they're not a team to overlook, you know, um, but that's what we're going to do on this episode <laughs> as I we mean, talk about a lot of other teams. They did now. beat Vista Ridge last year. Uh, sure. Granted, Vista Ridge isn't the same Vista Ridge as they are now, but that's still, you know, something to be proud of, especially because Vista Ridge is a 4 team. So. Sure. Yeah. I mean... Yeah, I, I could give it to them. Like I said, you know, they're not a team to overlook if you're going to play them, right? Um, but they're definitely a team that you need to make sure to take care of in the first three quarters at the very least, if not all four quarters, and, you know, stay locked in there. So, you know, there you go. But, um, yeah, you want to talk about Evergreen? I think that's the only other school that we're not going to talk about on this uh, contending list. Is that right? Yeah. Uh, at least from the fall season. So Evergreen. Yeah. So they graduated like everybody um, from from last season. You know, they they lose second team All-State Griffin Loritano, who I talked about. I also did a breakdown on the running back, Noah Martins, who was a t- second team All-State and a, and a good athlete. And, you know, uh, John Wagner, who was a, uh, an, a both ways kind of lineman guy. I feel like they're just losing too much talent and I feel like, you know, they're they're also in the same like uh, division as Lutheran. And I think that that does not help their case at all. Um, and we'll explain a little bit more on that later. So, yeah, I think they're not they just take a them. huge step back with losing their best two offensive players here. Absolutely. And I think honestly... Griffin Loritano, he's the kind of player that you look back on. Evergreen's definitely going to look back on and be like, dang, man. He was a Why lot didn't... more valuable to our team than we thought at the moment. I'm just going <laughs> to be completely honest. Like, he, he might have been one of the most valuable players to any single team uh, in Colorado. 
So not having him and just losing all these other skill players as well and some linemen, I, I don't know, man. I I mean, even then, they couldn't beat, like, Holy Family without Griffin Loretano. So I don't, I'd be surprised they, if they make They the couldn't even just not beat Holy Family. They got slept by Lori, by uh, by Holy Family. So Yeah, very much so. So I don't know. Like I said, it's not personal. It's football. way I see it, I'd be surprised if they win as many games as they lose. I'd probably bet that they lose more games, though, and it's um, I think that's a pretty safe bet there. So, so yeah. But obviously, uh, you know, we're yeah. we're open to being surprised, and uh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> if they I find mean, a way yeah. into the playoffs, yeah. g- good for them. Good for them. No, if they make it, that's cool. You know, we're gonna have, you best bet we're gonna break down a lot of those players that you know caused that turnaround because I mean we've spent a lot of time looking at Evergreen, so. I feel like we, you know, somebody would have popped on a radar by now. But you know, like you said, I'm open to being wrong, but you gotta actually do that first before uh, yeah, we admit it. So, whatever. But uh, with that being said, a lot of these teams are probably gonna make a return here, and we are gonna talk about them. This is gonna be a pretty long episode, not even gonna lie. So there you go. But Cody, do you want to go ahead and talk about this spring season here? Yeah. Enjoy enjoy this first segment where we're just doing recap uh, and then buckle in for the rest of the episode is all that I'll say. But anyways, in the spring season, we're talking basically the class 4A because there is only one 3A team that played in 3A and it was Glenwood Springs um, and they didn't win. So that's kind of all that I have to say about Glenwood Springs. Uh, no disrespect, but just losing a decent amount of talent and didn't wow me earlier this year. But anyways, spring 4A season, you have Thomas Jefferson as the one seed, Harrison High School as the two seed, George Washington High School as the three seed, Falcon, the Falcon Falcons, the Boston Bostons, the Falcon Falcons were the four seed, Kennedy High School, that was the fifth seed, uh, Gateway as the sixth seed, Centaurus as the seventh seed, and Aurora Central as the eighth seed. And actually, I think legit half of these teams are 4A. Um, I'm pretty sure yeah. Aurora Central's 4A, Falcons 4A, Gateways 4A, and Centaurus is 4A. Yep. So that immediately means that we don't talk about them now. We'll talk about them later. But anyways, Thomas Jefferson gets a forfeit win over Aurora Central. Once again, probably COVID-related would be my guess. And then Simon and I actually made it out to this game to to watch our boy Victor coach and uh, shout out to that, you know, now junior quarterback, Isaac Cisneros, who did, you know, make second team All-State over there at Kennedy High School. And we, we went down to Falcon to watch this game. Well, I guess I went down to Falcon or to Colorado Springs and then Simon took us down to Falcon. But Falcon, you know, squeaked by with the win here with a, you know, I'd say just some clutch defense and with some mistakes by a young quarterback on Kennedy's side is kind of the summary of that game uh, at the wrong times. And they won 20 to 17. Then here on the bottom half of the bracket, Gateway upset George Washington High School 30 to 27. Harrison slept Centaurus 34 to 6. Then Gateway upset Harrison as well in the semifinals 28 to 21 for their bid to the championship. And Thomas Jefferson... Uh, took care of business against Falcon 35 to 21 heading into the championship. It was Thomas Jefferson, a three, a school versus gateway, a four, a school. And Thomas Jefferson got the one point win 
over Gateway. Um, so teams that we're not going to talk about on the 3A level include Kennedy here. Uh, why are we not talking about Kennedy as a um, contender, even though we love uh, what they've done and what Isaac Cisneros has done into turning this team into at least, you know, a, a playoff team? Yeah, uh, to be okay. I'm going to be a little bit more opinionated here because we were able to actually go to that game and see them play and, you know, meet the coaching staff. I believe they're good people and whatnot, and I think they do have some players on that side. But I think at this point uh, they're more in a show-me type of deal right now. Like, I look at the roster and, you know, there's some guys that are recognizable and whatnot. Obviously our guy Isaac Cisneros, the quarterback, he's recognizable. He could really be something, but... I think this is kind of a key off season for him. He needs to take a step forward. I'm just going to be honest. I didn't see enough of a step forward uh, watching him play in Falcon, you know. Um, and at that point, you know, it was almost he had a pretty extended off season, And so I don't know. I needed to see more. The mistake he made was a pretty rookie mistake, to be completely honest with you. And, you know, Kennedy should have beat Falcon. Like, I get it. You know, they're physical up front. You know, they have a great running game. They have some athletes over there, but there was no reason they should they shouldn't have beat Falcon. I mean, Victor and all of them said it himself. You know, we knew what they're going to do and we executed our game plan and it came down to a couple mistakes at the end. That's what we that's what he said, I believe, when we talked to him. Um, Falcon didn't have. Like a comp, they don't even right now. They don't have a complicated offense. Cody, you and I literally called out We're the plays the as plays. they're coming out <laughs> after one quarter of watching them play. Wasn't after you like watched the them only, for one quarter, so wasn't you know, like their only pass play the first half, like in the last like five seconds or something like that. Yeah, it was. It, it doesn't <laughs> it matter either a, way. A heave. Yeah, and even then. I'm not going to get too much into it because I know this episode is going to drop on Friday. On the following Monday, I'm actually going to do a roster breakdown on Falcon and talk about it more there. So I'm not going to get too much into it. Uh, but look, they should have beat Falcon. They didn't. I think that says all we need to know about this Kennedy team right now. They need to prove themselves this year. Or, you know, we just got to be real with them. You know, they're just not that squad right now. And, you know, it's not just on Isaac Cisneros. You know, the rest of the team, they got to play better. The line needs to do better. You know, can't Wide be intimidated. to catch the ball. Yes, ride receivers. You shouldn't be dropping any balls, to be honest with you. If it hits your hands, and Isaac Cisneros, he's not a bad passer. It's not like he's inaccurate. Like, you should have caught every single ball there. You know, I don't care if they're like having their you need to do that. And if you can't, then, you know, let's see how that record, uh, up, you know, stands up. And I don't blame the coaching staff. I'm just making that clear. I, I think this is kind of a rare point where I'm looking at the players and I'm like, man, dude, like y'all are a young team. I get that. But eventually you got to turn into something, right? You yeah, can't be at the same level up. forever. So that's just where I'm at with them. Um. I'd be surprised if they made the playoffs. They would probably go give some teams some trouble. I think they're a little bit better uh, than uh, some other teams we've talked about here, but they they have some growing up to do, and I think hopefully this quick turnaround will uh, get them there faster. It looks like, I don't know, I'm kind of looking at their schedule, and I think that they have a chance to go over 500 for sure, low-key. But anyways, yeah, um, yeah, I, I echo all those opinions and all those sentiments. Uh uh, of this of this Kennedy school and you know I, Isaac can't at the 3A level one player cannot carry a team to the championship um, like that they need some help 
So it's it's time for, for other people to step up and hopefully we could see some of that offseason motivation and leadership growth from Isaac um, fueling the rest of this team. But moving forward, we're not going to talk about George Washington High School, but I do have a decent amount of notes on them. I, I think that they're probably a playoff team this year, too. I, I just couldn't convince myself to... Well, there's not a lot of information on their line, like actually zero information on their offensive line um, from what I could find. Simon, I'm sure that you probably ran into the same thing where in max preps, they just didn't have like anything listed. Um, but they they do return this nice little quarterback in Gabe Smith, who, you know, threw like four TDs to one pick last year. And they have two really good wide receivers here in Silas Evans and uh, Marseus Honeycutt Jr., um, who were both second team All-State wide receivers and DBs. They got a lot of interceptions. They cop for a lot of yards. They have a lot of yak. They're dangerous with the balls like in their hands. And they got a lot of speed on that offensive side of the ball. But I just see that they're losing a lot of All-State offensive linemen, defensive linemen talent here. So I think that, you know, it's going to be hard to reload at those areas. And, you know, losing a lot of their tacklers here. Plus... I don't know. Losing to Gateway, to, you know, I know that they had Covington this last year, but it still kind of rubs me the wrong way. Um, <laughs> well, so. I mean, their head coach over there, he knew he wasn't going to be the guy going into next year even. So this was basically a squad that was like in limbo, you know, like there was a lot of uncertainties between, all right, what, how's next year going to look like and what's going to happen this year. And so like to be beat by a team that, was not even sure of their future. And, you know, maybe you could argue that that's an advantage. Mm, I don't know. That's that's a shaky – that's pretty shaky, to be honest. So, yeah, that's kind of where I was at. George Washington, I don't know if you have anything else to add there or not. To be completely honest with you, I don't have any spring teams being contenders uh, this fall. So we'll talk about that more here. But, yeah, that's, that's all I have right now. Well – in that case, we're actually going to jump to our next segment then. So stay tuned to talk about uh, some contenders and some dark horse picks um, from both Simon and I coming up. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner podcast. We're back at it with the second segment of our 3A 2021 Colorado football preview here. Um, in this segment, we're going to talk about teams. Most of these teams are teams that, you know, are teams that are maybe one player breaking out away or are really close to being contenders. They're most likely playoff teams, to be completely honest with you. And so we'll, we have a handful of those teams, plus one contender that Cody, you and I both agree on at the end here. Is that right, Cody? Yeah, absolutely. You know, these teams, like Simon said, are are one player away or you know they're um uh, you know they're one run away where you know they just get really hot and everything's clicking and boom you find yourselves in the championship kind of like uh they like 2007 giants underdog slash dark horse type picks uh to potentially run the table at the right time if everything falls into place yeah, no, absolutely. And so um, I'm going to go ahead and get this one kicked off, if you don't mind, Cody. 
Go for it. But I'm going to get this kicked off talking about Harrison High School down in Colorado Springs. Kind of talked about them just briefly last week when talking about TCA because they will be playing TCA, I want to say, on September 10th. And so that should be a kind of a big battle there. But, you know, Harrison, in my opinion, this is just kind of the vibes I get from them. Um, also from the people that I know that have went there. Shout out to um, Cody, you and our boy, Myron Washburn and, um, and you know, company over there, along with some players that I have gotten a chance to look at. Um, as a scout, including Orlando uh, Sanchez, Westbrook Sanchez, sorry, and then uh, Amir Shedrick as well. And so very familiar with this team. They're a team that regardless of who they have on the squad, they're looking to beat you up. They're arguably, well, I okay, I wouldn't say arguably. In my opinion, they're the toughest team in Colorado Springs. Whether they have the talent or not, they're looking to beat you up, play good defense, play physical Harrison football, regardless of who's lining up in front of them or who they have throwing out onto that field there. You know, this is a very tough squad. And this year, you know, they have some players who are very tough players who I kind of just have a hard time seeing, you know, not allowing Harrison to uh, make the playoffs i i see this harrison team as a squad that will at least will power their team into the playoffs may not be the prettiest look but they're they'll get them in there right and so they are losing kind of a lot of skill players losing all the quarterbacks that have thrown a varsity pass and so they've graduated like two or three quarterbacks i want to say along with pretty much every single player that has caught a pass Outside of star running back Kahar Briggs, who will be a senior this year, and then freshman Carlos uh, Preciado, I want to say. And so, with that being said, they are very, very raw on the offensive side of the ball. You know, they have a pretty good line, I would say. But other than that, skill players is a big question. You're going to be seeing a lot of new faces out there for this Harrison team. Some faces we have not seen yet, honestly. And so, that could be an exciting thing, but for now... I don't think it's enough to label them as a contender. But let me talk about the players that are going to, you know, will this team to a playoff berth, hopefully, and potentially make a run here. So I would say their best players are on their defensive line slash offensive line. Um, the first player that comes to mind for me is Elijah Jenks. He is a junior this year, so class of 23. But he is a six foot, 340 pound defensive tackle, the heaviest player, or I think he's the heaviest player in Colorado football right now. And so um, he's every bit of that six foot, 340 pounds, man. You know, he throws his weight around a lot and he's very difficult to stop. You know, just he takes up a lot of gaps and he's always getting a good push uh, from that defensive tackle spot. So he's a problem in itself. You know, there aren't many teams that will even have a lineman that'll be able to combat that, be able to not only push that weight, but match it. So there you go. They're also returning uh, fellow defensive tackle Jesse Weber, 5'11", 265. Now, he's more of a, f- of a finesse defensive lineman, but, you know, he just complements Elijah really well. He's somebody who's going to wreck the interior of any offensive line. And so those two in general, I want to say both of them are juniors. So class 23 uh, defensive tackles. Those two are going to power this Harrison defensive line. And, you know, 
I I think a lot of teams are going to have trouble with them. I don't see a lot of teams, you know, being able to completely stop these two. But it really doesn't stop there because they also are getting Sierra High School transfer Mikey Norris at 5'10", 240 pounds. You know, he was a beast for Sierra. Now he's going to go play for Harrison, hopefully get a lot more dubs over there. Well, not hopefully. He will get a lot more dubs over there because it's Sierra, so... Yeah. <laughs> and then last Ooh. but not least, on their defense, they're returning Antonio Cami Valdez. Believe he led the team in sacks or was up there, uh, was second in total tackles, I want to say. And so, you know, he's a productive senior coming back. This is a defensive line that's going to get at you. They're going to cause pressure on the quarterback, you know. Watch them play against Falcon last year and. If it wasn't for a couple, you know, big passes here and there, which isn't on the defensive line. That's on the corners, by the way, who have graduated as well. <laughs> uh, you know, th- this was a defensive line that basically did whatever they wanted to Falcon, controlled the line of scrimmage. And, you know, they did this to a lot of teams. And I really see them having a chip on their shoulder after getting upset last year in the playoffs and trying to prove themselves. And so this is a nasty defensive line, uh, arguably one of the biggest and best in the in the state that's going to come at you you know they're going to be physical they're going to want to hit these all these dudes could hit you know if you look at the film they could all hit then last but not least they have kahar briggs you know their star running back he's going to power this offense he's probably their best skill player returning he could catch the ball he could run it he's shifty he can make a lot happen out of nothing and so you know that's a great that's honestly a great skill player to have for a very inexperienced team. But, you know, you put him behind not only this dominant, you know, defensive line, but offensive line. You know, a lot of these guys will be playing on the O-line. Uh, you know, you're going to be seeing a lot of holes open up. And, you know, if you watch the film from last year, there were many times where, you know, it was like the Red Sea parting, man. Like you just had, you know, big boy Elijah Jenks and Jesse Weber out there pulling and uh, just hitting dudes and then getting to the second level, even the third level. Level. And then from there, Kahar, he does his thing, you know, and so this is kind of a team that uh, when we talk about some of these contenders here, they're going to have to pay attention to Harrison because they're going to want to hit, you know, and so not only are you going to probably have to be worried about, you know, how many guys that can go up there and withstand, you know, their physical play, but you're going to have to think about the depth that you have there as well, plus the talent. And so, I, I don't see many teams having the kind of talent and physicality that this Harrison defense has. So there you go. And obviously, you know, you have Carlos uh, Preciado played as a freshman. TJ Washington, I want to say he was up there in total tackles. He played as a freshman. And so you have some freshmen who have varsity experience uh, coming back. And then, you know, we're, we're just going to have to see what they have skill-wise uh, over there. But altogether, this is probably one of the more complete defenses um, as far as units go, I would say like their defensive line unit is very good uh, that is returning. And so it's not going to be the last we talk about them. Like I said, a lot of them are returning next year, but this is definitely a team you got to look out for. They'll probably make the playoffs, to be honest with you. But I don't know how far they can go because of the I think they ju- they're just limited offensively. So. So, yeah, and most of that is just experience uh, or the lack thereof. So there you go. I'm going to try and keep it to three minutes. Yeah, well, um, they have a lot more players. <laughs> than you realize, about. huh? It's, hey, bro, hey, bro, I, I'll be real with you. This team has a lot more players than any of the other squads um, that we're going to talk about in this segment. They just, 
Well, let's just low key. Well, they're a contender. I should say that. I really shouldn't be underestimating them, but here I am. So, yeah. well, that you're just setting up the narrative so that they can prove you wrong. But yeah, I, I really just want to agree with you on Elijah Jenks. You know, he had eight tackles for loss last year, and was just wreaked havoc uh, on the interior. And then I want to talk about their schedule coming up. I definitely think their schedule is way harder than it was last year. So I don't know if they'll have like, you know, a, a one loss season necessarily because they open up the season against Glenwood Springs, which is, I think, a decent opening challenge, you know, against a, a playoff team from last year. And then uh, Cannon City, which whatever. Anyways, then TCA that following week, Roosevelt immediately after that. Uh, well, we're not going to talk about Pueblo County, but you know, I, I wouldn't just blow them off entirely. I feel like Harrison will still take care of business, but then they have to drive to Durango for an away game. And then, uh, down the stretch, they also have a game against Sand Creek as well. Um, and just, you know, they, they finish with their league schedule as most people do, but their non-league schedule is, is pretty tough, pretty tough. So, We'll definitely learn a lot about them and how they stack up to a lot of these other teams that we see making the playoffs in their non-league schedule. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Look, I'm just going to be completely honest with you. I think Durango might have the only offensive line that will be able to handle uh, these two, uh, not even these two, their entire defensive line. So that'll be a fun one to watch if, um, if you like watching linemen play but anyways cody do you want to talk about the more fun looking team on paper i guess if you yeah. don't like talking about linemen i love talking about linemen, i was about so, to say don't you know. don't throw a lineman under the bus but it's not a, it's definitely not something that's an easy sale to um <laughs> to some of these well, i'm gonna call them casuals but anyways um some of these other cats that we're going to see in this fall season. One of my favorite teams that I really want to talk about is Fort Morgan Mustangs here, who has a lot of a lot of talent and returning most important, arguably most importantly, is first team All-State quarterback Briggs Wheatley, uh, who was their leading passer and rusher uh, last season. You know, he he had over 1,400 yards and he had. 11 total or let's see yeah 11 combined or nine my bad nine combined touchdowns i don't know why i said 11 but anyways you know he has a very i watched some of his film he has he's super athletic and a very balanced runner like there's multiple times where he actually got hit by like two or three defensive linemen or linebackers and somehow stayed on his feet and he does a good job of evading pressure yet also keeping his eyes downfield he does kind of only throw with his arm but it it has gotten the job done he has a very naturally strong arm and you know completes some deep passes and stretches the field he also you could also tell um, i do not condone throwing across your body as much as briggs wheatley does however he is really good at it uh he makes a lot of plays where he's rolling out one way and he throws cross field the other way and i think that they might even have some designed plays for it honestly looking at the way that they run some plays but you have this this first team all-state quarterback in briggs who you know had a great season last year and you know against the runner-ups in state and roosevelt only lost by a single point so you know i think that they're fairly battle tested 
and that they're going to grow a lot this year. They also return their, you know, leading rusher that's not a quarterback in Frank Ortega, who ran for over 500 yards and also can catch the football. You know, he he caught for, I want to say, 180 yards or something like that. And on top of that, they're returning their top three receivers in uh, Braden Fajardo, Frank Ortega, and Fernando Marquez. So the chemistry on offense is already there, is what I'll have to say. Now, something that I will mention that hurts is they do lose, you know, their All-State honorable mention linebacker, Kale Langford, who was the leading tackler. They also lose Benny Edwards, who went both ways, Eddie DePriest, who... I think I might have done a film breakdown on. It's it's hard to keep track these days. Or, yeah, you or did, maybe you did. Or uh, oh, I, I think that scouting report actually was provided by Mason Austin. I want to say I'm not 100 percent sure. I'd have to look back at the show notes. But anyways, Eddie had 11 tackles for loss on this defensive line. They're also losing Gabe Vickers, who was on their offensive line, and you know seven of their top 10 tacklers graduated. So. You know, on the defensive side of the ball, there's a lot of holes to be filled. There's a lot of holes to be filled. And, you know, that's never, you know, that's not something that you obviously want to happen. They do return uh, Levi McCoy, who was their third leading tackler. And hopefully he can step up and, you know, play some ball. And, and you know, these same guys who who dominate on the offensive side of the ball, you know, Briggs Wheatley, Braden Fajardo, and... Uh, Fernando Marquez, you know, they, they're also going to make plays on the defensive side of the ball. I'd be surprised if Frank Ortega doesn't take a step forward on defense, maybe, or steps up into a better role. But, you know, uh, Benny Fajardo collected three interceptions on the defensive side of the ball. Or Braden. I don't know why I said Benny. Braden Fajardo. God, I'm a mess right now. Uh, collecting three picks on the off- or on the defensive side of the ball. And Basically, everyone who had an interception was a junior last year. So they have all these juniors. They have all this experience. You know, they're battle-tested having gone to, you know, the playoffs last year and losing to a contender such as Fort Morgan. I really, 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 really like what this team could do. This is a team that should probably put up like 30 points a week on offense. And if they're not, then that's how you know that they're probably not as much of a contender as we may have thought that they were. Um is kind of where I'm at. They did get slumped by Meade last year, I will point out, 35 to zero, but you know, COVID things could interfere with that. So, you know, I, I'm just, I'm very excited to see what where this offense goes. Simon, what do you think of, of this Fort Morgan team? And uh, what's your over under on the points they put up every week? Well, if they want to win anything, they need to score at least 30 points every single game, right? Yeah, I'd say so. Just because the defense is basically unproven outside of the secondary at this moment in time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's I mean that's not always the worst thing. So they have more skill players and whatnot. Um, I'm definitely way more concerned about their defensive talent and how they'll fare size-wise against other big lines of the state. I mean, you mentioned Meade, and you know they're oh my god, they have like a million big boys out there, and so. It, really doesn't come off as much as a surprise that they're able to do what they want to them and score 35 points um i know they had like a million running backs last season too and so that's still kind of a problem this year maybe even a bigger problem like other teams just having dudes who could run the ball against them not even pass they could just run it and then just like you know 
it will be a slow death by run uh, kind of deal. So, yeah, I don't know. But, you know, for Morgan, they do have some talent. Briggs Wheatley, he's one of the few returning senior quarterbacks on this level. And so that's kind of a, a good thing there. And then obviously Frank Ortega had a great season last year. Has fantastic footwork is uh, something I wanted to throw down Super here. Super shifty. Super oh, yeah. Shifty. Oh, yeah. No, he's, he's a fun guy to watch, you know. And so uh, they'll probably make the playoffs. I don't doubt that. Probably. Right? Oh, oh, I'm looking at their schedule. And if they don't make the playoffs, somebody's getting fired. Um, I'm looking at this schedule and it's like, you know, they, they got Scott's bluff to open up the season, brush Frederick Conifer, who is losing a lot of key players in my opinion. And Simon would echo that opinion. They got, I guess, Simon, you would know more about Discovery Canyon. Uh, what, what would that matchup look like? Is that what's, what's the deal on Discovery Canyon? Uh, I, I did a lot of research on them. Uh, like I said, I am probably going to do a couple more, you know, team breakdowns, roster breakdowns here, um, mostly for Colorado Springs teams. Cause that's where I'm at right now. Discovery Canyon, they're always well coached. And so I wouldn't count them out. That's probably a trap game. If I'm being completely honest with you, that's probably a trap game. Okay. So you got a trap game here. Then you got Niwat that graduated their best players this past year. And I think that, you, you should take care of business against Niwa Mountain View, who, who always has a couple of athletes, you know. Um, but I don't know. With the amount of talent that Fort Morgan has the offensive side of the ball, I think you have a real test here near the end of the year against Roosevelt. And then, I mean, Northridge also graduated a lot of talent. So I think that they should take care of business against most of these teams um, and maybe lose maybe, maybe two or three games. Maybe. They, they should probably only lose two max, but, you know, with, with trap games and stuff, I think that they should only lose two games and probably be a higher seed than the eighth seed. Or I guess the eighth seed is a bit higher in this year's standings, but they should be a lot stronger this year, um, in my opinion. And if they don't make the playoffs, then phone calls are going to be made. All righty, then. You heard it here first. Cody Stoffer uh, calling for the head of uh, their head coaches. Cody Stoffer for head coach of Fort Morgan. Anyways. Yes. Um, we're going to run a spread, baby. But anyways, yeah. uh, that's kind of – if unless you don't have anything else to add on to Fort Morgan, Simon, I know that there's another school that uh, you were going to talk about briefly. Yeah, there is another school. And, you know, uh, you know, just as a quick side note here, you can tell who the offensive and defensive guys on the podcast are here because uh, all the teams I pick and, you know, this this applies going forward as well, have strong lines and great defenses. And a lot of the teams Cody picks here are very <laughs> offensive heavy. So, you know, defense defenses win championships. That's all I'm going to say here. To and, I'll get to that. <laughs> yeah okay okay sure yeah but anyways let me talk about this team real quick here before we hit our actual contenders uh contenders that cody and i very much believe in and you know agree on in some ways and in some ways not so much but you know holy family i feel like they're just always a good team to be completely real with you cody like they always have big dudes they always have big linemen yeah, they're always well well fed up front yes I don't know why. Why did you say it like I don't that? Know why. That made me laugh, but okay. 
dang, Cody, I didn't know we were body shaming players. Not body shaming. You know? We like we love our linemen. We love our big linemen. You th- fill us in on what their line looks like. Well, I don't know what they're. Like. <laughs> you want me to tell you? This? You want me to list off some names? I yeah. Here, you you go ahead. I know they are graduating Cord Kringlin, who is going to Boise State. So you know, best of luck to him. But yeah, Cody, if you have names, go ahead and list them off, and then I'll get to why I believe this team will be tough again this year, more yeah. specifically. So. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I hear you. And they they are graduating some talent, but like Simon said, this is kind of like a lineman school. Uh, Holy Family kind of always has had you know some some bigger guys who who have come through. And just uh, this is I'm not sure exactly how accurate the these measurements are, but some guys that we're looking at is they have a senior in Rylan Alpers, who's 5'10", 230 pounds. They have a freshman actually coming in who's six foot three, 260 pounds. So that's what I'm talking about, where they just get like this school just gets some big boys like and that's as a freshman. And then they have uh, a tackle slash guard and Michael Russo, who's six, three, 225 pounds. You like that versatility. And then they have a John Holquest, who's six, four, 205 pounds. Obviously, you want him to probably put on. Uh, okay, you don't probably want you want John to put on some more weight here, but you know this is Max Preps that we're talking about, so they could have put on more weight, you know, in, in that time. But they they have, you know, a couple, basically three starters that are over 225 pounds plus, um, or or potential to be, and that's not even all of these linemen who are listed. Um, and they have a couple of senior linemen in Gage Eastman and Reese Peterson and, I, and Morgan Salter as well. So it sounds like they're deep at, at line depth and size here, despite graduating, you know, Cord Kringlin, uh, Brody Welch comes to mind when talking about that line last year. So, but Simon, yeah. tell us, tell us why, despite that, they're, that they're still a contender. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, uh, this is just my opinion. I think they have a fantastic defense. They are returning a solid amount of defensive players uh, led by their three-star safety and the highest rated safety in the state of Colorado, Jacob Lover. Uh, shout out to him. He's a fan of the podcast. I've had some conversations with him. He will probably make our top five, uh, you know, 21 senior safety list. Uh, he's a, he's a two-star. Same thing, bro. Three star, two star. It gets all mixed up there. Either way, man. I mean, he's <laughs> he's he's a he's a heck of a player, though. He's a good one to have over there. I think um, that that's a little rare for Holy Family to have a to even have a ranked DB. To be completely honest with you, and so that's kind of a big deal. And so this defense will probably be. Um, I, I'm just going to go ahead and say they're going to be a top 10 defense on the 3A level, if maybe not a top five, that might be stretching it, maybe a top six, top seven uh, defense, but they're going to be good either way. And so this defense, they play well as a unit and whatnot. And so, uh, and they always kind of have, and so I'm kind of looking at that to be, uh, you know, the reason why they're able to, to, to make it in. You know, to make it into the playoffs, because I also think they, like you said, Cody, they have the physicality, they have the size to, you know, go head to head with pretty much all of these uh, contenders here, you know, and so they'll give them some problems for sure. Now, the biggest reason why I don't think they're a contender is because they're basically losing their entire offense, arguably. This could also be a reason for why they might not make 
the playoffs as well. I could definitely see a scenario where they lose a slew of really close games. I'm saying like one score games here uh, because they just don't have the offense right now. Uh, because here, here's here's the damage on their team. So they are losing their starting quarterback. You know, that's tough. They're losing their top two leading uh, running backs, uh, so rushers. And so that's that's extremely difficult as well. You already mentioned Cord Kringland. You already mentioned uh, Welsh, uh, I want to say. Right, Cody? That's the other lineman out there? Yeah, so, Brody. Yeah, Brody. And so, you know, you're losing two starters on the offensive line. That's experience. And then they are not returning a single receiver from last year who caught more than one pass. Um, and that's a problem. And the one guy they are oh, returning good. caught one touchdown last year on one reception for 40 yards. So, you know, make make with Probably that what you want. Or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> already I'll be real with you, Cody. Uh, when it comes to Holy Family in general, I'm just worried about their offense. It showed last year when they, when they scored like less than 20 points. I want to say against Durango. Also, you know, Durango scored like 49 on them. So there's that as well. But they scored less than 20 points. And so offense was already kind of a question, um, you know, with last year's squad. This year, I think it's an even bigger question. Uh, maybe the question's already answered at this point, to be honest. I don't know how good this offense is going to be. I'd be surprised. Uh, if they gel right away, I know they have some big boys, so that always kind of helps the process along and a good defense. But I just don't really see this team doing a lot. Now, looking at their schedule, they have a pretty tough schedule. They first they open up against Pueblo South. Like I said, that's a team you got to look out for. Now, as bad of an offense as Pueblo South has, I still believe in Jace Bella to be more productive offensively than a lot of the players on Holy Family's offense right now. Um, I think they, that's probably a game they lose, actually. Uh, now that I'm looking at that's the kind of game that they would lose. Uh, you know, struggling with stars on the offensive side of the ball and just great athletes. So there you go. Right after that, they play Roosevelt at home. September 3rd that's that's tough I don't think they're gonna win that one um but you know you never know they got Green Mountain they should probably win that one maybe but we'll see about that they have Resurrection Christian which by the way Will Schronenborg is no longer in the state of Colorado and so I would say that's probably a game they win but also they do still have Eddie Lemos out there along with um I want to I want to say Cam Phillips so we'll see about that one. That That is more or less probably a 50-50 one. Should beat Canyon City, in my opinion. Probably should beat Thompson Valley. Frederick, we're not going to talk about them, but I have done research on them. They are returning a lot of players. Usually they're a pretty solid team. Last year they didn't have a great year because they had so many young players. A lot of underclassmen playing for them, but a lot of those underclassmen are coming back. That's probably a trap game uh, for Meade and you know some of these other schools here that we're going to talk about later. But I don't know if they win that game. Then they play Meade the next week. They're not winning that game, <laughs> to be honest with you. And then they play <laughs> Skyview, which I'm not super familiar with them, but it's I think a they should. Game. Yeah, they're returning. They're returning some people, but I don't think that they're really anything special. They have like they sent like one person to Allstate last year, and they were honorable mention. So yeah. So best case scenario. Best case scenario, they probably only lose what two or three games here 
Anyways, no, I was saying, uh, best case scenario, they probably lose like two to three games here, and their RPI gets them into the playoffs, probably. Maybe. I think they might lose more games than that, though, because, I mean, here's the deal when you well, have. We're a saying defense. best case. We're saying best case. Uh, yeah. Best case, scenario, best case they is only still lose a maybe, to be honest with you. Like, I mean, yeah, you know, maybe they only lose three games, but I mean, here's kind of the deal. Uh, with that, Cody. Um, look, when you have a great defense and an offense that's lacking, you're already putting a lot of pressure on your defense. The best thing you could hope in every single game is that it becomes a toss-up game in the fourth quarter, and you could pull something, just something out, just pull something out that's not very probable, but or reliable, but it kind of just works in the moment, right? And so when you get into those toss-up games in the fourth quarter, which is a, what a lot of these games can be and probably will be at the end of the day, you never know, you know? Um, so, yeah. Three games, right? Is that what you said? That they lose? I'm saying best-case scenario, though. Yeah. Like, absolute best, they probably they drop this Roosevelt game, they drop this Mead game, and they probably drop, you know... They, they could lose this Pueblo South game as well, I think. I think that's a very losable game for them um, if if Jace gets to cook. Yes. Sh- Chef Jace. Can we start yeah. that now? No, because we, we don't need to do all of that. That's <laughs> but he, he's a great player. So, yeah, we'll see. Like I said, anything could happen. But, you know, their bread and butter is basically hoping that it becomes a toss up in the fourth quarter by playing good defense and uh, maybe the defense has to score a little bit they might have to score at least a touchdown or two a game to to really be like you know for real so i don't know but that's that uh cody do you have anything else on holy family i don't have anything else on holy family but i do have a team that doesn't really have to hope to make it to the fourth quarter uh but teams hope to make it to the fourth quarter with this team you mind if i introduce our mutual contender here simon yes yeah so in in case you didn't pick up on it we're talking about the lutheran lions here who are returning uh some pretty elite talent back on the offensive side of the ball and they also have some pretty good size uh on that line of theirs i can't talk about lutheran here without talking about clayton jacobs who had a phenomenal year last year passing for 14 TDs to only six interceptions, almost 1,200 yards, added on another like 350 rushing yards and three touchdowns. Then also their running back here, uh, Dorian Pacheco, I believe, uh, who who tore it up last year and ran for 535 yards. And they also have um, Ryan Kenny, who, who ran for another 500 yards and seven TDs. So this backfield is insane, uh, to say the least. They're also returning their leading receiver and Brody Donahue, who caught for 283 yards. And, you know, they're they're not losing as they're not losing a lot. I gotta be honest with you. Eight of their top ten tacklers are returning, which, you know, means that they got, you know, that kind of I don't would you also call it chemistry on the defensive side of the ball? I'm going to call it chemistry. Like, yes. you know, they can, they can trust each other is what I'm trying to say. And like the the two seniors that they're losing uh, in, in Jack Whitaker, you know, he was kind of down there on the tackle board. And so is uh, uh, Colton Thews. Now Colton was, 
was a dog on the offensive side of the ball. And that's going to hurt because he caught six touchdowns. Yeah, six touchdowns this last year and 250 yards. So that's going to hurt to lose on the offensive side of the ball for Clayton. But I still think that they have plenty of weapons on this offense to to really make a run at it. And just to they have this one guard, Ari Jacobs, who's 6'3", 280 pounds. So I feel like this offense can kind of beat you in a variety of ways, which is exactly what you want here in Colorado because, you know, I don't think we've talked about it enough, but you want an offense that can keep the defense on their heels, obviously through a balanced attack, but you also want a balanced offense because, you know, we start playing games in November here, in October and November, it starts to get cold and it could snow. It could snow in October and November. And well, you, you want to, you can't just survive off of just a passing game and quarterback at that rate. You want to have a strong running game. And not only do they have, you know, a solid number one option in the backfield, they have a solid one, two punch and a quarterback that can kind of run a little bit too. So, you know, they could beat you through the air. They could beat you through the ground and you know, their defense swarms really hard to the ball. You know, that obviously when you have uh, like Dorian, once again, was their leading tackler. And so is Kenny, not not tied, but, you know, they combined for over 150 tackles between just the two of them. So they're just super dominant on both sides of the ball, you know, and they're getting that back. Dorian was also their leading. Gosh, Dorian is just such a dog. Um, If you was an all state guy at linebacker, I want to say, too. Yeah, um, he was first team all state at running back and linebacker. Yeah. So um and, and he also collected an interception. So Dorian is a guy who could do it all. Clayton is a quarterback who you can trust, you know, uh to, to make the right decisions. Because I mean, a lot of these there's a lot of athletic quarterbacks in the state of Colorado, but there's not ones that make I'd say the right decision as much as Clayton Jacobs. Um so I mean I'll kinda pass it to you on that note and kind of see what you have to say on that and other things that you like about this Lutheran Lions team heading into this 21 season. Yeah, for sure. Uh, first things first, shout out to my homegirl, Allie Garrett. Um, big friend of the podcast, a good friend of mine. Her dad is the defensive line coach for the squad. I've talked to him a couple of times about recruits and whatnot. Well, one time about <laughs> recruits and whatnot. And so uh, I am for sure going to a Lutheran home game this uh this year that is my plan I don't know which one yet it'll probably be I mean I don't know it's not like there's a bunch of great ones here to be completely honest with you but uh I'm gonna go to one for sure with her and so shout out to her uh she kind of gave me um you know some some intel here about some of these players but yeah first things first uh let me kind of hop on uh hop on uh some of the players that you talked about here cody uh ari jacobs their big boy their offensive guard he's a fantastic lineman just watching his film he's a pancake machine man in the run game he just completely blows up lanes and you know you know you know when he's uh lead blocking because you just see it open up and you know it's extremely hard to miss trent richardson couldn't um, couldn't miss the holes that Ari Jacobs are, is blowing up over there for Lutheran, to be honest with you. So there you go. <laughs> in pass coverage, he's actually really good as well. He's an aggressive blocker, you know, um, in pass coverage, which is pretty which is pretty interesting. Or oh, sorry, not pass coverage, pass blocking. That's what I meant. In pass blocking, he's, a, <laughs> he's an aggressive blocker. Wow, Imagine Ari Jacobs for first-team All-State DB. 
I know. You can go up, be out there at safety. But anyways, uh, yeah, no, he's a fantastic pass blocker as well. You know, he's somebody that <sighs> not going to guarantee that he's going to make our top five seniors list just because Colorado is kind of like a lineman state now. We're putting out a lot of offensive linemen, but he should be an honorable mention is just what I'm going to say. Um, and then just all in general, he's a tone setter, man. And so, you know, with him leading the line, you really can't be mad at that. You know, obviously, you talked about Dorian Pacheco. He is their probably their best athlete on the team, to be completely honest with you. He's just super explosive. He's a workhorse on both sides of the ball. On offense, you know, he's always going. He's always churning. He's kind of uh, like a Philip Lindsay type. You know, he never gives up. Um, he's like the heart and soul of that offense, to be completely honest with you. And so he's just super talented there. On defense, he's, for a smaller guy, for a smaller linebacker, he hits pretty hard. Uh, <laughs> reminds me a lot of uh, that Loveland linebacker from last year, Jaden Tafoya, who was really key in that championship run. And so I could see Dorian doing a lot of the same things Jaden did but probably better so there you go um clayton jacobs well sorry before sorry okay okay before i go to clayton jacobs i want to mention one other guy here that ali actually told me about uh i want to say it is bryce johnson how come i can't find it right now yeah, yeah, I'm I know sorry. you're talking about Bryce Johnson. Yeah, Bryce Johnson, he's 6'3", uh, plays receiver in safety, 6'3", like 200 pounds. Um, and he's he's a solid dude. As a receiver, you know, he's going to be um, kind of that physical receiver that you like to just kind of dump off the ball to, and he's going to create uh, just because he's so strong. And then as a safety, you know, I oh my god he's, he's definitely another tone setter on that defense he's gonna cause a lot of trouble for uh, receivers that maybe didn't hit the weight room as much as they should uh and you know even then you know he's 6'3 so he's a long body out there and um but he's definitely gonna be a playmaker on this team and then last but not least we got Clayton Jacobs in my opinion the best quarterback on the 3a level one of the best quarterbacks in Colorado period uh man he's just an underrated passer who has a lot of talent and he's shown that the last couple years he has varsity experience unlike some of the other guys around here and you know I think on he played really good last year and so if he takes another step this year oh man I just think it's gonna be insane because I he's like a really good improviser. I think that's his that's the main thing when it comes to him. When everything's collapsing and whatnot, he doesn't just you know opt for a scramble and whatnot. He's gonna move and manipulate the pocket and then you know find that open receiver while keeping his eyes downfield. And he just does such a good job at that. You know, like he gets defenses out of position and then just kills them with these fantastic passes. Um, he has some of the best timing in the entire state, honestly. And you know, with the weapons he has around him. I am very comfortable naming this Lutheran team as a contender. To be honest with you, Cody, waking up this morning, I was maybe, I, I don't know. I was really close to kind of switching it up and naming them my pick to win it all, to be honest with you, because they're, they're right there. Like, if I don't know. I'm just like imagining all these different scenarios, and I'm like, all right, well, what if it's a close game, or what if they need to make a comeback? I'm very comfortable with, you know, putting Clayton Jacobs out there and be like, yo, if I get you the ball, can you score every drive? And then him, him being like, yeah, coach, I could do that. And then doing it and scoring every drive a la Spencer Rattler-esque almost, um, at least in my opinion, you know. So there you go. And then, you know, looking at their schedule right now, Cody, 
Uh, I don't know if you have it pulled up, but they play another team called Lutheran in Missouri <laughs> as, <laughs> as their uh, as their opener. I don't know if that's like a joke or like whatnot. Kind of right over that, but yeah, in St. Peter's. <laughs> yeah, and they're a good team. Like this team lost maybe one game last year and made a pretty deep playoff run, and so that's a pretty big test out of state. Uh, also, Finally, you know, Missouri football. What? I said, finally, some out-of-state games to, to test Colorado football here. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And Missouri football is, I mean, it's Southern football, so you already know it's good. So they're going to get tested right away there. Um, I think that's a that's a good tone setter for the year. I, you know, obviously, as long as you don't lose a bunch of players to injury, that's a good tone setter for the year. Because after that, there's not a single team that I'm looking at on the schedule that I could even remotely say is a threat to Lutheran. Lutheran should realistically beat each team by 30 points. And, you know, I know I have yeah. some bias in this. <laughs> you can't tell me that Denver North, Battle Mountain, Pueblo Central, Heritage, which, hey, by the way, how do you have Terrence Ferguson and Eric Olson, and both of them don't go off for like 800 yards? Whatever. You have Evergreen. We already talked about them. Littleton, we talked about them last <laughs> week. Conifer, we talked about them. They're losing a lot. Lewis Palmer, as long as Palmer Ridge exists, they're never going to be like, you know, a real threat. And then you have Green Mountain, who is losing some guys as well. So I don't really see a threat on this schedule. There's there shouldn't be a close game after they come back from Missouri. Cody, what do you think about that? I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I, I'm just being honest. You know, there shouldn't be a game that they lose here. <laughs> um, I agree. Is <laughs> the thing. Um. <laughs> I'm, sorry i'm losing it okay it's it's a, okay it's mad disrespectful to be reacting the way i reacted but this schedule is so cheese like oh my goodness <laughs> their toughest game is battle mountain denver north might be i i don't know well no they're losing julian burke never mind yeah. Like well their toughest game is um Conifer <laughs> funny enough uh Lutheran. Well yeah, their toughest game on the schedule <laughs> Lutheran v Lutheran moment. Um but look, I I grew up in Littleton. I'm familiar with Heritage, I'm familiar with Littleton High School. Write them off already is basically what I'm saying. They're they're gonna get stomped. Waffle stomped by by Lutheran here. Um, and, and Conifer, you know, they're, they're losing Noah Wagner, who is our number three running back on our top five running backs last year. And they're losing a great linebacker also in a uh, Gunnar Truby. So, you know, they're losing quite a bit of talent here. And so that puts Conifer in a very vulnerable position as well. And I think that Lutheran could eat pretty easily, uh, in, in the state of Colorado go undefeated. Also, I, I thought the other Lutheran's mascot was a lion because it kind of looks like a mountain lion, but it's a cougar. So I feel like that's pretty close. That's a little bit too close. You know, at this point, high schools know. aren't renowned for their creativity, Simon. The, there's a team in 4A and, you know, that's literally called the Falcon Falcons, bruh. I still can't get over that, but we'll talk about that more later. Well, I have always wanted to change that. Also, there should be more teams with the uh, dragon as their mascot. But anyways, um, that's that's kind of random. I, I just had to throw that out there, just being honest with you. So Falcon, 
you know, congrats. There's your name. But anyways, uh, yeah, no, they should go undefeated, and it should be a pretty easy, like, undefeated route. Like, I'm saying, like, yo, let's go pedal to the metal for, you know, three and three-fourths quarters, you know? Like, let's really just, like, hang, like, 50 points on (laughs) on every single one of these teams, and then let's get in our backups and freshmen. Like, there's no reason that... Clayton Jacobs, Dorian, Ari, Bryce Johnson, like that any of these guys outside of maybe getting more film for the recruitment should be playing in the fourth quarter in a lot of these games. Yes. And we don't say that a lot. Actually, I don't even know if we're going to say this again, to be honest with you, because I feel like we try to keep, you know, we try to give each team some credit here, you know, and be like, oh, no, they got this person or this person. Now, if they had Pueblo South on their schedule, but yeah, you know, but like, Nah, I don't know, man. <laughs> there shouldn't. I don't know. I just don't really see any team on here, and so that may be a good or bad thing, Cody. We could probably. That's probably why I didn't have them as my pick to win it all because you know they we've seen what. Tested. Yeah, we've seen what happened to teams that haven't gotten tested at all in a season then they hit the playoffs and it just kind of feels like they're in panic mode and kind of stumbling throughout the whole thing and so at this point deep in the season my biggest concern might be like all right where's your motivation or what is your motivation uh what are you doing to continue to get better how are you continuing to push yourselves because at that point it's really not about oh our motivation is beating this other team because you should beat that other team uh if you're in the state of colorado lutheran um but I think it just becomes a little bit more internal and a very mental at this point, I would say. Like, I, I think they just got to they gotta build those situations and make sure that they stay on their toes. Uh, that's why I'm valuing this uh, other Lutheran game a lot because I think this is the one where, <clears throat> you know, they go in and they got to give it their best shot. If they don't play their best game, they are not getting the best film to work off of to be honest with you because you know you want to have film that actually helps you out but yeah you can't do that i mean i mean you can't do that when you don't play your best game because then it just becomes very obvious like oh i should have blocked better well yeah no shit, you should have blocked better i mean you know right. so there you go it's 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 it comes down to the little things and so i don't know i think it's just going to be a mental game and there's definitely a scenario where they go one and done in the playoffs if they're not ready because it happened, it, hey, it happens real quick. It's happened to better teams. Yes. Palmer Ridge. So there you go. And they were tested. I don't know. You know, I it, it, it could happen to really any team, but especially teams that don't have challenges. That's, uh, I think, the obvious risk here. So really, at this point, their biggest threat might not even be other teams. It might be themselves. So, and I'm not just talking about Lutheran. But Cody, do you have anything else to add on here? Now, I think once we start talking about mascot names, uh, that's a good signal for us to move on to the next segment. (laughs) Betty, and we have a lot, or, well, we have a good amount to talk about these next two segments. So, yeah. What's good, y'all? Welcome back to the Playmakers Corner Podcast. We are continuing our 3A preview here. Uh, now, the, these teams that we're going to talk about are all teams that Cody and I 
believe are contenders for sure and will make deep runs in the playoffs so this segment we're talking about two contenders here i have one and cody has one we don't necessarily agree like exactly are on the same page but you know these are more or less kind of our individual opinions about these teams whenever we bring them up um the next segment we both believe are contenders for sure um like we both think they're contenders but with some you know with some differences there but uh let me go ahead and get this started and talk about durango high school obviously last year they were they were the fall 2020 state champs led by jordan wolverton gage mestis and ben finiseth um i hope i said that last name right and so obviously we got to interview jordan wolverton uh i was very high on him uh cody was very high on him our boy jesse Budin back a long time ago super high on jordan wolverton and so they're losing a great quarterback in jordan and also safety he was pretty productive there as well but i believe they're going to be contenders because you know they have a lot of skill positions here that could turn up and do their thing you know they don't necessarily need a quarterback to to be you know great to be fantastic at this point you know they're kind of just great on their own and so let me talk about two of the main ones here uh and they have a lot but i'm gonna mention these two i think these are gonna be the more essential like skill players for durango on both sides of the ball and so the first one is zach haber um or aber i h-a-b-e-r uh that's his last name he is a class of 23 safety receiver running back in my opinion he's a fantastic safety who's gonna take another another step forward as one of the more dominant safeties in the state you know obviously he held down that back side of that defense but this year i think he's gonna take another step forward and not only hold it down but he's gonna be much more productive and be a problem for, uh, for a lot of opposing offenses, you know, he's going to be extremely productive and anchor this defense, even though they are losing some players from last year. And on offense, you know, I mean, in general, he's a great athlete. So if you get him the ball, he's going to create. So there you go. Uh, kind of a side note here, Chase Robertson, he's a wide receiver. I feel like he has a lot of potential and could potentially step up as a playmaker, maybe a wide out one type, maybe. Uh, he's also we'll- good on the defensive side of the ball, too. Yes. Well, we know that he's a great, you know, DB for sure. But as a wide receiver, I think he could definitely take that step forward. So, you know, we'll just have to see. Um, But nonetheless, another great skill player for them. And then this is probably the most interesting skill player for Durango. And that's Jordan Stanley. He is a senior this year. I have him listed right now. just straight up as an athlete last year he played a lot of receiver and running back and was one of the main contributors to the team uh to their offense but there was one game last year where he started against canyon city as in jordan wolverton didn't get any snaps at all um maybe that was a COVID situation or something else but either way jordan stanley was the qb in that game and he did a pretty good job you know uh and so that kind of leads me to think that he's the he's the next quarterback for this durango squad you know he's a guy who could both throw the ball and run the ball um his improv skills are very good now i wouldn't say he's as refined as jordan wolverton who was like a three-year four-year starter but he's just one of their best athletes and you know just with where football is going it's never a bad thing putting your best athlete at quarterback and just seeing what could happen you know and so if he does play quarterback 
I think he's going to be for sure be a true dual threat quarterback who a lot of teams are going to find pretty unpredictable. And so that's kind of when you get into the danger zone, when you can't predict the patterns of these teams as well. And you don't really have film to go off of from previous years. You know, you have a team that becomes a little bit more dangerous on offense. And so uh, I think him at quarterback would be really interesting, especially behind this dominant offensive slash defensive line that Durango has for the most part I'm pretty sure they're returning everyone let me see here yeah Uh, for the most part they're returning everyone and so you know when you have a bunch of athletes behind a dominant line you know you turn into a pretty punishing team on offense that has big playability that's that gets a little hard to contain if you don't have the right personnel you could call the right defenses but even the right defenses can't just can't stop better personnel and so you know i'm not going to talk about him a lot because this should be obvious but josh bates he is a class of 23 uh center and he plays defensive line as well he has just committed to ou so big congrats to him cody's happy because he finally gets somebody (laughs) hey relax but yeah they they get a good one they get one of the best interior linemen in the entire country he was getting uh looks well not looks he got offered by usc and oregon and so he's a big time lineman not even in not even an upperclassman yet you know he's going into his junior year which is wild to me and so automatically as one of the best linemen you know you could count on him to just neutralize whoever's in front of him uh maybe even some of the linebacking core as well and so he's gonna be a threat and then the other big lineman that's kind of a big name and obviously you know they have a lot of other linemen coming up that are filling in these spots that we'll probably know about later on they're just younger but you know they have walter stoffer um (laughs) senior offensive tackle obviously not related to our very own cody stoffer (laughs) Because Walter here is 6'6", 250. Unless Cody, he makes it to the league. Then yeah, he'll probably make it to the league. And Cody here is not 6'6", 250. So, I'm just a little bit smaller. Yeah, you know. You know, a couple of six <laughs> pounds and like 10 inches. But, you know. <laughs> hey, don't do me like that. This is coming from, from the 5'7", co-host, by the way. <laughs> I that, that was dirty. I'm sorry. I, yeah, let me let me pull it together here. I'm keeping that in. But anyways, <laughs> yes, six six, two hundred fifty pounds. He plays right, or I think he played a lot of right tackle, and he was a pretty nasty right tackle. Easily one of the best in the state. Not only is he gonna hold down this spot, but he's gonna dominate his spot. Uh, he's a tough dude who comes out to beat you up every single game, man. Uh, whether he's pass blocking, run blocking, I'd say he's probably a stronger run blocker. You know, he really gets in there and like just tries to knock somebody out, and so. Oh my god. Uh, I mean between these two you already have a pretty good line You kind of just fill it in with whatever you have and Durango has some really good linemen coming up Including a William Knight who is six foot 230 pounds. He's a senior uh, was also third on the team in tackles last year And so he'll be a big part of that defensive line as well And so altogether Durango has arguably one of the best lines in the entire state um, on any level, maybe, maybe Palmer Ridge's, uh, you know, Monument Moving Company, shout out to their Channel 9 uh, news segment there. Uh, maybe they could kind of rival Durango here, but uh, it's hard to argue with Josh Bates. It's hard to argue with Walter Stoffer, who should probably get an offer by now. Like, let's, you know, hey, 6-0, help, help, help a homie out. 
you know, because um, I know they can. But I, I think this Durango team is just going to be super physical. They are returning some players here. Obviously, um, like I said, they are losing players in George or George <laughs> in Jordan Wolverton, Gage Mestis, Ben <laughs> Finneseth, who I'm were tell all Jordan that you messed up his name. Well, he's never going to know. But anyways, <laughs> you know, guys, you all contributed on both sides of the ball. I think Jordan Wolverton was the lead interception leader, actually. So there you go. And then, you know, you're losing your top four tacklers and Kyle or sorry, Kyler uh, Rymers, Ramers, Thomas Barnes, Ford Pitts and Demetrius uh, Trujillo. And so you're kind of losing some talent here and there. But, you know, just wait with the way Durango has been built the last couple of years. They're a team that has a lot of depth. And so, you know, they have a lot of skill players. They have a lot of linemen you kind of just figure they'll figure something out, right, Cody? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I've looked at this team. They got a lot of young talent that's stepping up into bigger roles. Um, they did lose first-team All-State guard Ethan Ryan this past year as well. I think that's worth mentioning here. Uh, so their line did arguably get a little bit weaker, uh, losing losing a first-team All-Stater guy. But like you said, there there's plenty of guys that can step up here. And, you know... I um look, looking into Jordan Stanley here. I am pretty optimistic. I'm pretty optimistic about Jordan Stanley. Uh, once again, I don't really think you know it's he's a Jordan Wolverton guy. I mean, he he could be maybe with what this coaching staff has done in the past with athletes and turning them into pretty all right quarterbacks, pretty good quarterbacks, elite quarterbacks at that sometimes, especially with Jordan Wolverton in our recent memory. But also, you have to replace like. 20 touchdowns and six interceptions uh so what jordan wolverton was able to do on both sides of the ball is it's a tall order for anyone but jordan stanley i think you know can keep keep the ship sailing uh more or less you know keep stay on the road uh at the quarterback position you know in, in one start you know he kind of had what some of the difficulties that you'd expect from a quarterback in one start thrust into that position however no interceptions in that game. It is against Canyon City, so, you know, you got to remember that. However, you know, a win is a win. And, uh, you know, having that one win under your belt heading into your senior year, if you're going to be the quarterback, is huge, in my opinion. Uh, just because it's like, okay, like, I did do this. I have done this before. And, you know, I'm ready to to take that next step in that offseason uh, should really help. And then I also wanted to shout out uh, Nate Messier. Or, or or it's Messier, if I said that wrong, come on to the show, interview with us. Tell, tell us more about the Durango squad. But, you know, he ran for over 500 yards this last year and seven touchdowns. He's he's not, you know, uh, Ben Finiseth, and he's not Jordan Wolverton. But, man, to have one guy who took actually the most carries last year with 84 carries, you know, and has that kind of workhorse mentality there. And then to throw an athlete like Jordan Stanley in the backfield there, you know, I think that they can kind of, you know, they don't have to change a lot is is what I'm trying to say. Um, and I think that the, the only thing that kind of hurts, you know, Jordan here is that he is losing his top two receivers from last year, especially Gage Mestas, who was on our radar for top five wide receivers, right? You know, we, we took a look at his film and, you know, obviously him and... Wolverton had a great rapport, I'd say. And so now it's up to Jordan and Chase or Jordan and Goodwin here to establish that same rapport 
and and to grow those players into the next top weapons. Um, and then also I wanted to just point out that they are returning William Knight, who was an All-State honorable mention at the defensive tackle position, who racked up five tackles for loss this last year and was actually their fourth leading tackler uh, as a defensive tackle. So, you know, you are losing quite a bit of seniors who who contributed on the defensive side of the ball. But you also have people who contributed last year, uh, some of these underclassmen. And, you know, th- there's a little bit of unprovenness, which is why they're not, like, my pick to necessarily, like, be the champion again. And we'll talk about that later. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did or even, you know, made it back to the championship in the first place. Um, well coached, good program. And, uh, you know, something else that I really like about this Durango team, you know, from what I've heard from Wolverton and, you know, people around there is that, you know, it's just, it's a great thing to be a part of. And they really, they play for their community. And so, you know, bringing that state title, who knows if that starts, you know, like a long-winded tradition of winning championships, you know. Now they don't have to wait 50 years every time. What if they go back to back, you know, and they, they become a dominant kind of area and more people play football and whatnot is something that could potentially happen here and it just kind of snowballs into a decade of dominance in durango triple d yeah uh pause but yeah absolutely uh durango you know they're still the defending state champs don't get it twisted it's their title to defend when you go to their house you got i mean they got they're defending their title and you know they got some dudes who are gonna hit you you know, looking at Joshua Bates and Walter Walter Stoffer over there, also William Knight, you know, and then they got some athletes who are going to burn you, you know, between Zach Haber, Chase, uh, Jordan, all them boys. And so, you know, you kind of figured they're just going to find a way to get it done. And, you know, looking at their schedule right now, they really don't have the toughest schedule. I mean, they open up with Pagosa Springs. Cody, I don't know. I don't know the most about him, but I feel like that's a game they should pretty much easily win, right? Uh, I took a look at Pagosa Springs. They should be Pagosa Springs. Okay, so that's a pretty <laughs> easy dub. Uh, and then you have a handful of New Mexico New Mexico games here. Uh, every single one of them, Aztec, Farmington, uh, Piedra Vista, they should beat him. Farmington, you know, they won they won seven and one or something like that last year. So maybe that's kind of a tougher game. But if we're gonna compare Colorado football to New Mexico football, I'd definitely take Colorado football. Um, I don't, I don't know how Josh Bates and uh, this line is not going to beat them up. So there you go. Uh, between those games though, you do have Montrose. Uh, that's Montrose game should, should be a decent challenge though. Uh, they, oh, they are really? returning. Yeah. They're returning their quarterback, uh, Bridger Kurtz okay. and, uh, okay. Tane Illa, who, who was kind of a dog in the backfield and they're returning, uh, two, three of their top five leading tacklers and their backfield was pretty dangerous last year, uh, rushing for like. 800 yards and eight TDs. So okay. I don't think I don't think they're steamroll Montrose here. Uh, they should still probably win because Montrose did lose some linemen this past year. However, and you saw what Dakota Rich did to them. But anyways, um, they do have some dogs on the offensive side of the ball. So this could turn into a shootout if uh, the, the Durango defense isn't ready and if they're kind of still sleeping after, you know, washing an Aztec or a farm, you know, a Pagosa potentially. Yeah, well, either way, in the first f- five games, worst case scenario, you're four and one, and you learned your lesson after that one loss. Yeah, uh, then you take you care of it. Champs. Yeah, so or or you, you know, easy easy to see that they go five and zero oh too. 
down this stretch. Yeah. Like heading, oh, yeah. They probably should go into Harrison. Yeah. Uh, Harrison's probably your tougher game. Like I said, they have a defensive line. They have one skill player that I know of right now um, in Kahar. So I that's going to be a really fun battle in the trenches. I would say that Durango right now, in my opinion, has more known skill players to us. So I'm going to kind of give them the edge. But if they lose that one, I'm not going to blame them. Uh, Discovery Canyon, that's a that's a trap game. You know, you got to look out for them. Uh, that could be kind of a closer game than you want. And then that kind of affects the momentum. I mean, if they have momentum from beating Harrison, they should beat DCC. They should wax Sierra and probably yeah, Mitchell well, after that. That's it. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty easy. You know, they should do that. But either way, I mean, those two games kind of go together, Harrison and Discovery Canyon. Um, no one ever loses to Sierra and Mitchell. And if you do, you know what kind of program you want. <laughs> so... You know, 50-plus points, get in the freshman, get in the upper – or not upperclassmen. Well, okay, get in the upperclassmen if they haven't gone play time yet, which which be kind of, you know. But, you know, get those players in. And then you have Sand Creek. They should beat Sand Creek. I'm not actually worried about that. I know they have players returning, but I'm just not. If TCA could beat Sand Creek, Durango could beat Sand Creek. So, so when all is said and done – Maybe you have two losses, maybe three on the season, but all three of those would be like trap games more like than anything, not like serious losses to actually take in mind because, I mean, you're probably not going to see one of the all three of these teams in the playoffs. Maybe you'll see one, but not all three. So at that point, I kind of look at the schedule and I'm like, okay, no, they don't have the toughest schedule. There's a lot of time to gel here. There's a lot of time to get dangerous for the playoffs. And, you know, look, once you get to get into the playoffs, anything could happen. And, you know, they got to have the attitude like, yo, we're defending our title. You got to come to us and bring it to us because we're going to bring it to you. You already you should know that. And if you don't, you're going to learn real quick here. And so I think this is plenty of time to get playoff ready here. And if they're not playoff ready, I don't know. We'll see. Uh, that'd be a little disappointing here. Maybe it's, it's injuries, but, um, you know, knock on wood there. So there you go. Regardless, though, Durango should be making a, a pretty deep run here. Cody, did you have any other reaction to their schedule here? Uh, no, not really. I think it's I think it's a balanced schedule to, you know, give them some tests. So it's not like Lutheran where they just kind of have, have a cakewalk for the whole season and then, you know, might get punched in the mouth in the opening round. Uh, so I think that's a it's a good schedule for Durango and and all those involved. So. Yeah, but they're also not you know Lutheran isn't the defending champs. So true. They <laughs> still got anyways. that target on their back. Oh yeah, they have their target on their back. That's why they have this many trap games. But anyways, uh, Durango strong squad. Looking forward to seeing them play. Cody, who is your contender? Well, I was gonna say. Speaking of defending champions. We got Thomas yeah. Jefferson High School, who is the defending spring champion, I might remind you. And there's, I think that there's a decent amount to be excited about here. You know, they're returning their quarterback, Austin Lindergreen, or Lindergreen, who, you know, kind of put on a show last year. He threw for seven touchdowns to only one interception. He had a 61% completion percentage, which is just like pretty high uh, in high school football, I'd say. And, you know, he's he's a dual threat quarterback. He ran for another 500 yards and eight TDs on the ground, you know, this spring. So I think that he he's ready to, you know, prove that it, that it wasn't a fluke. He does have some adversity going against him. 
as they are not returning a single pass catcher. Well, well okay, this is kind of a really backwards pitch because I opened up strong and then I'm going to talk about some weaknesses and then I'll come back strong. But anyways, the unfortunate thing is they are losing the 4A spring player of the year in Avery Shunninson who was a running back and linebacker for them. He was their leading rusher with 652 yards on 75 carries and seven touchdowns. And, you know, he in our, okay. So for those who don't know the top 25, like the top lists were going to look very different a year ago. Uh, Simon can vouch for this. We were going to just do the top 25 recruits from rivals. Um, so we, we watched our Avery Shunninson film and he was a solid linebacker. You know, he racked up 60 tackles this past year um, and was just kind of all over the field and a do-it-all guy. You know, he could catch, he could run, he could tackle. And that's that's how you win, you know, player of the year um, for, for that for that division of football. He could make interceptions. He played well in the pass game. He, he did it all. So losing that really hurts. They also lose uh, for their other first-team All-State running back, Jaden Hill, who, who had a solid year, you know, he could catch, he caught for 105 yards actually, and, you know, he could run the ball, he had another 560 on the ground, and they also lose their third leading running back, Jordan Sandoval, um, who ran for another 280 yards, so their backfield and their skill positions are being wiped almost clean, which is never a really good sale, but I'll explain why that's not a big problem, I also want to talk about on defense, you know, they are losing Avery Shunninson and they are losing Blake Wilson. However, they have Jalen Ship, who is their second leading tackler last year. And they also have this freshman, Jake uh, Tapia, who had a pretty decent season for himself, you know. And I think that as a freshman, if you're the fourth leading tackler on a team that you get this confidence, he's 6'1", 225 pounds at that linebacker position. And, you know, he got to learn from Avery Shunninson. So... Who knows? We might have Avery Shunninson too uh, in the works between, you know, and, and Jalen Ship obviously being a dominant player and, and Jake being able to learn from both of those. I think that he's going to take a huge step forward this year. And they also got uh, Randy Yaboa, who um, is a second team All-State defensive back. He had a pretty solid year you know, getting a lot of pass breakups. Uh, I think that his biggest issue is he just needs to turn these seven, seven pass deflections into interceptions. He didn't get a single interception this past year. Um, and that's a problem in, in my opinion, but they are returning, you know, uh, a Tristan Martinez who can help out there in the secondary. And they also have, oh goodness gracious, Dimitri Haralambopoulos. Yeah. Paralambopoulos, oh goodness, I'm going to get crucified for that one. But anyways, uh, he was a dog in the secondary <laughs> this last year. <laughs> Just leave it be. Um, who, who racked up three interceptions himself and also had four pass deflections. So they have a really solid secondary returning and they have a good quarterback to, to lead the ship. And I think that one of their running backs can actually take a step forward this year in um, – Terrace Griffiths here. He, he averaged six yards per carry on some pretty limited action this past year. And, you know, Dimitri is also appears to be a very strong athlete who could kind of do whatever you need him to do on both sides. So I could see him also playing a little bit of receiver. But what makes all of this possible is they have some serious. You know, we want to talk about 
you know, I love I love the skill positions. I love having a good secondary. But I could also talk line a little bit here too. You know, uh, Dedrick Payne comes to mind. He's 6'1", 265 pounds. Started on the offensive and defensive line this past year. He actually had a ton of uh, tackles for loss. He had he was the second leader in tackles for loss on this football team as just a sophomore. Um, and you know, I I'd love to see what he could do. They also have this other lineman, Jeff Rumpf, who's 6'2", 270 pounds. They have Andy Smith, six foot, 250 pounds. Teddy Wilson, who looked like he was the starting center last year at 5'10", 240 pounds. They have Travion Johnson, who's 240 pounds. Preston Lyons, who is a, you know, first team all-state tackle at 5'11", 240 pounds. You know, it says 238, but I'm just going to call it 240 unless you want to call it 235. Either way, it doesn't matter because, you know, he's tried and proven. And, you know, these linemen play both sides. Um you know, and that's that's a lot to compete with. As far as size goes in the state, they're up there with with your Meads and and with you know your Durangos. I'd even argue, at least size wise. And they have you know the great thing about having size on the defensive line is it leads to more interceptions, and they have competent members in their secondary too. So you know, good pass rush, lots of interceptions, more opportunities for the offense. I think that, you know, if they get started quick here uh, in, in this upcoming season, that, you know, there's not a whole lot that can slow them down, if that makes sense. You know, they they get a, you know, if they, once they find their rhythm, they can be very hard to stop. Um, Simon, what do you, what do you think of, uh, I know that we talked before the show and you're like, I don't know about Thomas Jefferson, but, but what do you think after the points that I made? What do I think about the points you made? Oh, okay. It's going to be like that. No, I'll be honest with you. You made some solid points here. Um, I don't see it. I just don't. And I, I hate being that guy and just counting out teams, but they come across as more of a holy family uh, level kind of school than anything. Uh, I just don't, I just don't believe in them right now. And, you know, if if they are that dominant and whatnot, then yeah, sure, go outscore Meade or Lutheran. You know, try you know, like like try try that. Like I just I'm looking at their spring schedule and it's like, bro, like, but who did they play though? Like I'm going through this like their schedule right now. You know, their first game was against Falcon. They won 32 to 29. By the way, I know they barely won it because Falcon screwed up on on offense and called one timeout too many that they meant to in the fourth quarter before they meant to do so. And so they couldn't stop the clock when they're on defense. And so, you know, that's kind of a, you know, a toss up game to me. They beat Lincoln. I mean, okay. Centaurus, they barely beat by seven. Uh, They beat Kennedy pretty badly. You know, they beat Denver North pretty badly. They got a forfeit versus Aurora Central. So, I just, I, those aren't teams that are playoff teams, you know, and then they beat Falcon 35 to 21. Like I said, there are some things going on more on the Falcon side. Um, they just weren't playing their, I wouldn't even say they weren't playing the best. I feel like they just weren't coached up as well as they could have been, could have been. And then they barely beat Gateway and, you know, led by Eric Covington and company, but also a team that really didn't have an identity um going into that season either knowing that they were going to get shaken up the following season 
And so I'm just not. I don't know. But I'm not I, convinced. I'm just, I'm just not like. <clears throat> no, I'm just not convinced. I don't. I think they're barely a playoff team, to be honest with you. And just even looking at their schedule, like it's other than like two teams here. And granted, okay, so look, going and maybe I'm jumping yeah, the gun here. Let's let's talk their schedule. No, no, no let's. Well, talk yeah, their let's schedule. do it. So they open up. Sorry, they open up versus Eagle Valley. I are they a Colorado team? Yes. Yes. From Gypsum. Gypsum. I don't know who they are though, so they should probably beat them, right? Not really a threat. All right, I've said my piece about Sierra, so you know there you go. They play Dakota Ridge one week after Dakota Ridge plays Vista Ridge. Now, I'm no quarterback expert, but I don't think their quarterback over there is Braden Dorman. And so it's going to be a lot easier playing their quarterback <laughs> and, you know, their line probably because Vista Ridge has some big boys on their line, you know, um, when it comes down to Thomas Jefferson. And so already they're playing a battle hardened Dakota Ridge team. So, you know, good luck with that. Uh, Devlin, I, I'm i not super familiar with them, so I don't want to write them no. off. What, what do you they're, mean? They're, no? they're going to win that game. OK, so they should win Pueblo South. They should probably win, but mm, I don't know. I could see a scenario where Jay Spell kind of goes crazy, you know, so we'll see there. Uh, Kennedy, they should probably win that one unless, you know, Isaac Cisneros and company takes a step forward, then that could be a more interesting game. Lincoln, they should win. George Washington, that might be a closer one, but they should probably win. Denver North, they should definitely win without Julian Burke. And then Riverdale Ridge. They should probably definitely win. And so, okay, maybe they do make the playoffs, right? But they go into the playoffs as a team that hasn't really played anybody outside of Dakota Ridge. I think that there's some decent tests on here with Dakota Ridge, Pueblo South, and George Washington. Do you actually think the Dakota Ridge game will be a close game? I think, it's I, a good, I think it's a good test, and it's against a 4A team, so it helps their RPI too. So I think that that definitely helps them make the playoffs. I think that we'll learn a lot from this Dakota Ridge game. Uh, Dakota Ridge, I think, is definitely more talented than Thomas Jefferson. I'm not even going to cap there. Dakota Ridge is one of my, spoiler alert, one of my contenders for 4A. So make sure to stay tuned for for that episode. But, um, you know, I think that if they walk away from this, I, I say that you could be confident losing to Dakota Ridge by, like, Less than two touchdowns, honestly, if you're Thomas Jefferson. You think they'll lose like, by only two touchdowns? Like, if they do, I think that you have a strong case for a state champion here in 3A. I mean, sure, yeah, if they do that. Plus, but I don't think they will do. I think best case scenario, they lose by three or four scores. Plus, also in the spring, they're facing a lot of 4A teams. Falcons a 4A team, Gateways a 4A team, Centaurus is a 4A team. So, you know, that's that that's something to consider too, is that they won the 4A tournament as a 3A team. Which we saw a lot in the spring, don't get me wrong, and I already voiced my opinion that, you know, the spring means a little bit less than the fall champions. I just really like the size of this line, and I like what uh, Austin Lindergren uh, brings to the table here. I think that he's he's a good athlete with a solid, a solid arm, and uh, 
you know, I think he's going to have lots of time back there to to continue to make good decisions and um, hopefully breaks in some of these these younger guys to step up at the receiver position. That I think that's the biggest thing holding him back, holding Thomas Jefferson back, I'll say, is lack of experience on the offensive skill positions. So you think Dante Capolongo can't guard any of their receivers? Did I say that? Like, no, okay, no, bro, but for I them to that? win, for them to be within 14 points, you know, their receivers will have to put in work. Yes, their receivers will have to put in work. Against but Dante I think, and Noah and all, all of them. Yes. Yes. <laughs> bro, if Vista Ridge can't, like, I, mean, like, I don't know. I don't even know if Vista Ridge could put in work against the Dakota Ridge is a pretty. They're a scary defense, and they have a chip I, on their shoulder. They want to smack somebody. Especially, right, if they lose that Vista Ridge game, you already know they want to score 60 points on, on Thomas Jefferson. I was about to say, they, they, might Montrose, they might Montrose them if it's possible. Yes, and it's very possible. All right, okay. Well, here, I don't want to be hating too much. Look, Thomas Jefferson. They're a playoff and- team. They're a playoff team. Yeah, no they're doubt. a playoff team because of their schedule. But, you know, Thomas Jefferson, you know, proved me wrong. But I think you're a one-and-done team. Maybe a fringe playoff team. To be honest, if you have this many easy games, you're a fringe playoff team to me. And I don't say this about a lot of teams. and Because I want to give a lot of these teams the benefit of the doubt. I really do because I want to uplift Colorado football. But I'm just being real here. I don't think they're that good. And sure, they'll have some momentum and they'll probably play up. And, you know, play at a higher level than they did last year for sure. But I don't know if that's enough to just match the raw talent like, you know, like some of these other teams that we have talked about and will talk about uh, in this next segment as well. So that's just what I got to say. But, Cody, I respect your pick. You could have that pick. I'm just not, you know, this is probably the first disagreement with this uh, preview uh, thing here between all the levels so far. But I'm just I'm not. No. But I'm not convinced. Yeah, I'm not not even a little bit, to be honest with you. Like, I just don't. <laughs> well, I, I feel really well, disrespectful right now, but I just we'll don't. We'll see. We'll see. That's all. That's all. Oh, we'll see. But, yeah. <laughs> I am so sorry. I am so sorry. I am, I am just. I, they make the playoffs. Uh, I'm going to be a happy guy. Happy guy. They win a playoff well, game even better. They, someone should get fired if they don't make the playoffs, to be yes, honest. Yes, true, true, true. But true, it's true, about true. contending and making a deep run, you know? Yeah, well, with as many teams as we've talked about, not all of them are going to make a deep run. So, it's, mm, well, I, I'm just saying, it's possible that... Look, we're talking about... Don't, we don't be, one and, done. Just don't be about. one and done, though. That's what I would consider a contender. I'm fine with that. Okay. We'll see. We'll see this fall. We'll see this okay. fall. Okay. But anyways, that does it for our uh, Where Are They Now segment. That's I think that's a good name for it, for our Champions of the Spring and Fall uh, 3A competition. Coming up next, our actual picks for the Fall 3A Champions. 
Bullion. Welcome back to our 3A football preview. In case your internet cut out or Spotify or something is glitching, I don't know, and you missed it, we've already talked about in our second segment some dark horse underdog candidates in Harrison High School, Holy Family High School, Fort Morgan High School, and as well as a mutual contender in the Lutheran Lions between Simon and I. In the last segment, we caught up on the fall and spring champions in Durango High School and Thomas Jefferson. And now in this segment, we are going to talk about who we think is going to take state in 3A football this year. And I'm going to start off and not go with a super original pick here. But I am going to go with last fall's runner-ups, the Roosevelt Rough Riders, to win state this year. Now, before I talk about the reasons why, I'm going to talk about some people that they're losing and maybe some of the ways that they can potentially address that and kind of go from there. So, and then pass it over to Simon and see what he has to say about it. But, obviously... They lose Brig Hartson here, who was a dog. He threw for 15 touchdowns last year, and he ran, I want to say, for, or, yeah, he ran for another three touchdowns on top of that. So Brig Hartson was, you know, obviously a, a great part of this offense, and he was a first-team All-State quarterback. They also lost first-team All-State tackle Andrew Cole, as well as another first-team All-State lineman, uh, Tommy Brake. And so, and they're losing uh, second-team All-State running back Keegan Sterkle, and they also lost for second-team All-State Alex Ricks. So they're losing a lot, and you're saying, Cody, how do they fill these roles? How do they fill these voids? Well, let me tell you. On their offensive line, they are bringing back, who was a, only a sophomore last year, Anthony Munoz, who, which I don't know if that's uh, any relation to to the GOAT himself. But anyways, um, I'll say honorable mention. On the defensive line, he was responsible for 15 tackles for loss. So he's a dog on the defensive line. And on offense, he was tasked with being a tackle last year for a team that made it to the state finals. So, you know, he grew up a lot going from his sophomore to junior year. And I could say the same about... You know, their skill player, Tucker Peterson, who I actually did a breakdown on. But getting back to their line, you know, they they have some decent size here. They have a Matthew Rolls, who's 5'11", 220 pounds, a Daniel Castillo, 5'10", 220 pounds, and an Austin Schultz, 6'1", 230 pounds. And I can only imagine, you know, they're probably a little bit bigger because I'm pretty sure these are last year's measurements of some of these guys because, well, max preps moment. But... Anyways, you know, they, they have some decent size up front, I'd say, and some experience, too. I wouldn't be surprised if Anthony here, you know, kind of takes the controls a little bit and uh, helps guide this offensive line. And, you know, on the defensive side of the ball, they are returning their leading tackler, Cooper Walton, who, you know, can also be uh, he was also a running back last year who contributed you know, a, dec a decent amount. He was their second leading back with 324 yards and was actually the leader in rushing touchdowns, I might add, who was uh, a first-team All-State running back in 3A, Cooper Walton, and linebacker was the leading tackler. They also returned their 
second leading tackler, Logan Poole. Anthony Munoz, who I already talked about, was actually their third leading tackler. They're returning eight, eight of their top 10 leading tacklers from last season. As I've talked about a little bit earlier, I believe it was with Lutheran, who's also returning eight out of 10. There's a lot to like about that. And I think that, you know, this defense could definitely be a top five unit this year, just with the size that they have up front. And they're keeping basically all of their tackles for loss in-house too, between Munoz, um, Clayton Robinson as well, and Cooper Walton. They had over, they had 48 tackles for loss uh, just between the few of them. And they're also keeping a lot of their sacks in-house uh, between Clayton Robinson, who led them in sacks with five and a half sacks and two hurries. Um, so you, you get to keep that in-house. And, you know, I think that, okay, so the biggest question mark here, and Simon would agree with me, is who's the quarterback, right? Who is the quarterback with Brig Hartson, who had a powerful arm? Who is it going to be? And it's going to be, in my my guess, Brock Saya here, who in limited action last year went seven for nine, 148 yards in and a touchdown with no interceptions. He was also their leading interceptor. So, you know, you got a pretty de decent athlete, I'd say, on both sides of the ball who, who could contribute here. And, you know, you, you also have some help in the backfield with Cooper Walton coming back. And then you also had freshman, or I guess he's a sophomore year, sophomore now, Xavier Ramirez, who ran for 7.3 yards per carry. Maybe he takes a step forward or Ryan Duche here. Um, who could take a step forward as well. And they're also returning, you know, their three leading receivers in Tucker Peterson, who was an All-State honorable mention. I did a breakdown on him. He's a very physical receiver, a jump ball guy, which always helps with a first-year starter when you have somebody who can really just literally moss um, a basically any cornerback he went up against in the state. Um, and he runs pretty good routes too. Uh, that Tucker Peterson. And then you also have Keaton Kaiser here, who was a junior last year who caught for another 400 yards and Jaden Herrera. So between their three leading receivers who are all coming back, that's a thousand yards in receiving. So I think that that makes, you know, Brock's job a little bit easier or whoever is the quarterback, you know, it makes their job easier that they have some proven wide receivers who can stretch the field at both vertically and horizontally in a variety of ways with the route combinations and the concepts that they run there. They're definitely a team that live and dies by the deep ball, but maybe they dial it back a little bit without Brig and can lean on Cooper Walton here to kind of carry the rock more and, you know, just, just put in some work. Uh, Simon, I know that you had Roosevelt as one of your contenders. Do you want to give the case for or against or both for uh, the Rough Riders here? Yeah, no, for sure. I feel really good about Roosevelt uh, for really all the same reasons you had to say. Obviously, they are missing some weapons, um, you know, and some players that were key last year. You have Brig Hartz, and I did his breakdown um, a lot better than I thought he'd be. I compared him to a Tim Tebow type. You know, he could do a lot of things, and you could rely on him to win. You know, obviously, they came short, and it was really close. They came uh, really close to beating Durango excuse me, to beating Durango last year, but they didn't. I think that's a game that could have went either way if it was played 50 more times. So, you know, 
there you go um and so that's kind of a tough loss he has a lot of experience too he was a multi-year uh, varsity starter so there you go obviously you're losing a back in keegan sterkle who was able to produce then you are losing lineman and andrew cole i did his breakdown as well he's a stud of a tackle uh tommy break and alex ricks and so you're losing some guys there but you got a lot of skill players because it's roosevelt you know you have linemen and some big boys that you could plug in there and they'll do their thing and be a dominant unit in the trenches and you know roosevelt in my opinion has always been like a they've always been a tough team with a tough defense and whatnot and they're gonna play you tough and they're definitely a game that you really can't overlook not even as a trap game you know and so that's kind of the same thing that they're returning this year they have a tough defense and then they have weapons on the offensive side of the ball that shouldn't make it that hard to play quarterback you know tucker peterson you obviously talked about him he's a star in the making potentially could be one of the um, top receivers and next year's top senior list uh, here. And then you have Keaton Kaiser, who, in my opinion, is somebody to keep an eye on right now. You know, he's one of their most explosive athletes. He's an impact player as a DB, and he's a fantastic yak receiver. He's a fantastic yak receiver with the ball in his hands. You know, if you get it to him, he's going to create and he can make a lot happen. I think that's the perfect receiver you want alongside a uh, Tucker Peterson, who's more of a jump ball physical guy. You know, you got the other guy who's more of a speedy uh type of receiver and so you know that that makes for a really good uh duo probably one of the deadliest duos in the state as far as receivers go and so you know this roosevelt team even though they are losing some key players here they have too much talent to not make a run you know in my opinion my top three teams um kind of in this order and this is a little bit of a spoiler alert but not really i'll explain why uh, i have them over roosevelt but top three teams goes mead uh and then roosevelt just barely over lutheran and so those three teams i feel like are really close together as far as talent goes but because roosevelt doesn't have a quarterback that's a little bit concerning i know brock say say got some play time in there but it wasn't even like a like what like the play time jordan stanley got like getting to start a full game plus you know all these other opportunities and other games as well and so i'm not as sold on on him at this point it kind of just looks like a bunch of numbers and we'll just have to see you know but Regardless, they're going to have a tough defense, though. This is a defense that is not going to give up a lot of inches. You know, between their linebacking core with Cooper Walton and Clayton Robinson, they're going to be tough to beat, you know, because they're just so disciplined. And like I said, they're a Roosevelt team. And so this is their style and this is who they are. They're a tough defensive squad and they're going to give a lot of teams fits. And so i could definitely see why they're your pick to win it all uh for me they're not my pick to win it all because i just don't think they have that quarterback that's good enough to contend with uh you know with a mead or even with a lutheran at this point but you know as far as talent goes outside of that they got a lot of it i'll give them that um and then also you know going into this season they got uh they got an interesting schedule cody if you want to talk about that Oh, sure, sure thing. And I, I was going to talk a little bit about last year's schedule, too. Um, Go for just kind of reviewing. You know, they did have a very, very close game against Meade that they pulled out by one point in overtime, it looks like. So it looks like an instant classic uh, a matchup. And, you know, spoiler alert, they will face Meade 
uh, during the regular season. So that's going to be massive. And uh, that was probably their biggest test during the regular season because then 42-0 Thompson Valley, 48-0 Battle Mountain, 49-0 Northridge. And so they got to Fort Morgan, who they beat by one point, took care of business against Pueblo South, and as we all know, lost to Durango. So, you know, I'm looking forward to another instant classic in week, was that six? Yeah, week six. But before we get there, they do open the season against Holy Family. You know, we talked a little bit about, or mainly Simon talked a little bit about Holy Family in that second segment. Obviously, you know, they're a perennial playoff team. They consistently have some big dudes. So this could be a good test, I think, maybe for this Roosevelt line that's kind of being reloaded, is what I'll say. Um, And who better to go against than Holy Family that consistently puts some big, strong, you know, mean guys up front. Uh, But I think that this is still a game that you should absolutely win against Holy Family. Um, You are going against... You know that ranked safety but he can't cover everyone on the field um but you know this would be a good mental test i'd say for the quarterback uh whoever it may be if it's brock or if it's someone else um learning to play against a, a safety rated as high as jacob and um how they do against them if they get tricked by certain coverages and stuff and then hopefully get it you okay against holy family you want to just get some good film so that some of these younger guys that are you know maybe playing some of their first varsity snaps they learn from this game okay you want to win this game but you want good film simon i'm glad that you brought that up during the lutheran game uh for the lutheran v lutheran game lvl um that you know this first week is really important uh maybe not from like a well, obviously from a tone setting perspective, but also from a how do we improve from here? Where do we go from here kind of perspective? And then they kind of alternate like strong and weak games. I think it's almost like every other one. Simon, I, I don't know if you agree with that, but then, you know, they have Pueblo County, which is like, you know, that that should be a, a game that you win. Then yeah. they have Harrison. Tough game. <laughs> big, yeah. big test for their line. Then you have a Riverdale Ridge. Eh. Then you have a Glenwood Springs, you know, maybe you don't win this one 50 to nothing, but you should still probably win this by like two scores. Then you have a home game against Mead. That um, low key might October be a game. 8th, should we circle that on our schedule. Yeah, that might be the one to go to. Uh, first off, shout out to once again, Scar Martinson and and our boy, Ethan Dreitz, because I'm pretty sure he went to Roosevelt or maybe it was Fredrickson. Uh, or Friedrich, uh, <laughs> one of those kind of different but anyways <laughs> they're all kind of in there just to in my mind but uh yeah shout out to our boys though but that might be a game we need to go to and uh and cover later that week absolutely so here let me uh let me make sure that we're not doing anything May- that'll be my my birthday game we're going to a game for your birthday wait that's on a okay no okay. that's on a friday yeah Sorry, I thought it was I thought it was the tenth for some reason. Anyway, it's uh it's October. It's October, so we don't have anything for October yet, or really even the second week of September yet. So, which by the way, if y'all think we should make it out to any games, uh, tell us, <laughs> tell us what well, to go to. I'm I'm sure they think we should make it out to some games since we covered Colorado football, but uh, uh yeah. we're looking for recommendations is, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But, uh, but anyways, anyways, yeah. back to 
back to the schedule. Simon, what do you think of the schedule? Uh, after that, you know, they have a Northridge game. A pretty big game, a league game, I'd say, against Fort Morgan. That's going to be a good test. And then, you know, they close out against Niwot and Mountain View, which is like, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, let's hear what you have to Let's hear what you have to say about it. Yeah, anyways, uh, no, I, I got you, I got you. I think, if I'm being completely honest, if I'm being completely honest, if they had a quarterback, I would not feel as shaky about their games against Holy Family, Harrison, and Meade. Because uh, I wouldn't, okay, versus Holy Family and Harrison, I have them slightly favored, but, you know, you have kind of a tough defense at Holy Family, is the quarterback going to be able to diagnose that defense? Because you got to keep in mind, they're going to be sending bodies at them as well. And whether this offensive line picks it up or not, they're going to be coming for him and whatnot. And, you know, obviously Jacob, Jacob Lover, he can't cover both Keaton and, and Tucker, but he could cover one of them. And also if he's playing safety, then, you know, he just needs to cover that backside and uh, stop those deep passes there. And then that could become a frustrating game where you're just pounding it out. Like which, you know, which running back is going to go off first. And so I don't know if that's exactly where you want to be in against a team like Holy Family, uh, especially to start out. But that will for sure be a good test. You know, wouldn't say it makes or break their season, but that's a tough one. Then you got Harrison. Their offensive line, once again, is going to get tested. Now, they might have an easier job against their DBs because they're not as experienced, but their offensive line is going to get tested. Like, at, at the very least, you know, you kind of just hope that they don't get thrown around too much and they kind of get it together by the third or fourth quarter, uh, by that second half. But, you know, uh, we'll see how that goes. Then, yeah, they should beat Riverdale Ridge. Glenwood Springs, they should beat them as well. But obviously, you know, they do have a quarterback that is more experienced there than their quarterback coming up. Um, plus a running back who's pretty good too. And so you never know about that one. And then you have Meade. I don't have them beating Meade. And I think that's a big, big thing there. I think Meade just has, they have a little bit more experience here. And that's that's going to be kind of the difference maker here. They just have a little bit more experience here at uh, more positions. And like I said, we'll talk about that last year. Northridge, they should probably beat. But, uh, you know, shout out to our boy Eli Wolf. You never know there. Fort Morgan. I mean, do you trust uh, Cody? I'm going to ask you this. Do you trust uh, Roosevelt to win if they get into a shootout? I wouldn't say yes yet. I'm uh, <laughs> with. Yeah, okay. I mean, Fort Morgan has a proven quarterback in in Briggs, and they have they have proven pass catchers over there too. Now Roosevelt has proven pass catchers, but they just don't have a proven quarterback yet. So I will say, as of right now, I'm gonna date it so that people can be like, oh well, he thought this old. Like eight eighteen twenty twenty one. I'm saying as of right now, with me not knowing anything about the Roosevelt quarterback that they don't win if this Fort Morgan game turns into a shootout. However, with Fort Morgan having the lack of defense that they do and Roosevelt having the solid, great defense that they do, um, I don't know, maybe it, it, that one might be a lower scoring game than some people expect. Or, you know, this is regular season and Fort Morgan sneaks away a win at, you know, they're at home too. Um, and they sneak a, a league game here and, um, you know, that 
It, you know, Roosevelt might be one of those teams that is like a really strong um, lower seed, like a very strong five seed or four seed, kind of like what we saw from Loveland last year. Um, we we or might Eden. see some, or, or Eaton, um, exactly, where we see just a really strong team you know, that just drops a couple of, of regular season games as they start to get settled. And, you know, they have some definitely some challenges. But, you know, come playoff time, you know, they, they've found their groove and they turn up and, and they storm to a state championship. I could see that. Or I could see them, you know, having a pretty solid year and being a two seed as well or something. So okay. either, either way, this is a team that I can easily picture in the championship game itself. Yeah, sure. It wouldn't be the prettiest run to the championship game, but like I said, once you're in it, you're in it, right? So defense wins championships, baby. Yeah, that's very true. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think this Roosevelt team will probably make a deep run here. Uh, there's going to be some gelling that they're going to have to do throughout the season. Not really, obviously not among their defense, really. At least I don't expect so. But really just between the quarterback and, and his offense, you know, and uh, just getting all that figured out, getting those checks right, because the quarterback play has to be at least decent. You know, I would say, you know, game manager, like if he could be above average with the above part coming from his great, you know, skill players. So if really if it could be average and not make too many mistakes and too many turnovers, this is a team that should go to state. Now winning it is another question at least for me so there you go but uh cody if you don't have anything else to mention on roosevelt do you mind if i talk about my pick to win it all yeah go ahead and this is the uh first time that we haven't chosen the same champion so yeah uh, a little bit of a change dynamic here but please uh, you've obviously hinted at it basically the entire episode so it's not really a big reveal but uh, give us your case for your 3A state champion this fall. Yeah. Uh, so this probably won't be the last time we disagree on who's going to win state, at least from here on out. Um, but it's it's the Mead Mavericks. Also, my boy Scott, he uh, <laughs> he has strong connections here. But that's not the only reason. Mead has always been a talented football team. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Should have won last year. You know, instead... They had to forfeit, wait, right? It was a forfeit against Pueblo South. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, you know, you just kind of hate seeing that happen because that team is arguably a little bit more better. They have a lot, they had a lot more speed then, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. You know, you make do with what you got and you kind of just move on with it and don't worry about it. And so this year they have a very talented class. This group of players, you know, I've known about for Dang, for a couple of years now, because Scott used to be the freshman coach for Mead, the freshman head coach for Mead. And so he told me about some of these dudes here. So I'm very familiar with them and they've lived up to, you know, uh, to the hype, to be completely honest with you. And so even though they are graduating two players, in my opinion, that are pretty key, uh, you know, speedsters on offense and defense. So let me shout out those players. That's Braden Keys and Nathan Bailey at running back, both guys who added a lot of speed to this Mead um, football team in general, they're still returning a very dominant squad. Uh, first things first, you know, let me talk about their offensive line here because they have a great offensive line anchored by their left tackle, 
Uh, I'm pretty sure he plays left tackle. Uh, Dalton Brown, he is a senior this year, so class of 22. He is 6'4", 286 pounds, and he is one of those monsters on the offensive line that could immediately neutralize the other team's best pass rusher. Obviously, he's also instrumental in the run game. There are many a times where you watch old Meade games from last year. You just see this guy kind of leading the way, or one of these Meade uh, linemen leading the way and just clearing it out. It happened kind of a lot, whether it was the quarterback running it, one of uh, the two running backs that just talked about Keys or Bailey running it, or even one of these other guys that I'll talk about soon here. You know, he was a big part of that unit that just moved people, like parted ways time and time again. And so he's somebody to definitely look out for, could potentially be the best lineman in the 3A, no doubt. Obviously, you know, there are other linemen on the come up. Meade has a lot of players. Not just juniors, but a lot of underclassmen, I should say, who are 230 pounds and up. You know, they weigh either 230 pounds and up. And so they have a lot of depth, you know, outside of their starters. They have a lot of depth that could get in there and, you know, could wear down a lot of teams. Like, this is a squad that they could plug and play a lot of different linemen who could just physically impose their will on a lot of squads. And, you know, if one guy gets tired, plug in another one. They have a lot of them, and so uh, I just got to throw that out there. But two more linemen to keep in mind, guys that will probably play a little bit on the offensive line but are, in my opinion, more known for their defensive line play is Tommy Tatham. He's 6'2", 240, and then Edgar Ramos. He's 6'2", 224. Um, Both of these guys are seniors. They are monsters on the interior, very comparable to what Harrison has on the interior of their defensive line. And so they're going to wreck a lot of havoc between them. And so that's just the lineman. You know, arguably Meade has the strongest offensive line group in the state. They're probably top five, I would say for sure. Top five, top five on all levels. And so they got some dudes out there out at me that could that could make it happen for them but let me talk about some of their skill players here uh let me talk about corby teku i i really feel like that's not how you say his name tiku it's spelled t-e-c-u cody would you say call it teku uh, i'll i'll say teku just so that we're on this sinking ship together if we're wrong just to make okay it, it doesn't sound right but don't, don't say i never it's... didn't do nothing for you well, I appreciate that. <laughs> but anyways, Corby Teku, he is a senior this year. Last year, he was 6'2", 205. You know, he played wide out. Uh, you know, a little bit of running back here, ran the ball a little bit there, uh, and then was a big-time linebacker. This year, he added on a lot of pounds of muscle. I'm just going to go ahead and assume, because if it's pounds of fat, that's kind of a problem. But, <laughs> but he's 6'2", 218. You could basically just round it up to 220 right now. And so he is built and not only that he is also listed almost exclusively at running back and linebacker no more wide out i guess so i think he might be the lead guy and they run a running back by committee offense anyways but i think he might be the lead guy for this mead team and so cody i just want you to imagine you have the mead offensive line imagine big old dalton brown in front of you six four two eighty six and then everyone else right and then you got a big running back that's 6'2", 220. Oh, my God. If you're a defense, you'd have to battle through that offensive line only to hope to tackle this guy at running back, who's a beast. And, you know, he's a 
Last year, he was a big-bodied receiver. He showed he could catch the ball. He'll probably get some, you know, receiving snaps here and there. And, you know, still catch the ball, probably go out at wide receiver. You could have a little bit more versatility there. But, shoot, as a running back, you know, he's going to – he's he already is a punishing runner, you know, and so that's already tough. As a linebacker, he's a big-time contributor, uh, I would say, you know, as that edge linebacker, pass rusher type – um, he's he's pretty dangerous at 6'2", 220, you know. Not only does he have power, but he does have speed and agility. It's going to cause a lot of fits for teams that don't have a fast enough offensive tackle that can't keep up. Now, you know, we talked a lot about size and whatnot, and that's great on paper. But if you can't move your feet fast enough and you have a guy with some power on him, you know, what, what what's the use? You know, what's the use of that anymore? You know, if you have a big dude that can't move, so... There you go. <clears throat> but basically, I look at him, and he's going to be one of the biggest weapons for their quarterback, Gavin Garrettson, who, who I will talk about here in a minute. But, you know, he's going to be a workhorse out there. He could catch as well. And so, really, you have a lot of different things that you could do for them. And so, you really don't know what to expect out of Corby Teku here this season. I think he's just going to be an offensive weapon that a lot of teams are going to have to struggle because at that point, your defense has to be pretty in sync to cover this guy wherever he goes because he is going to probably travel across that field uh, on offense. So there you go. And in addition, you know, they are returning another running back uh, who also plays a defensive end in Evan Morris, who is 5'11", 216. The, the running backs don't get smaller. He's only two or three pounds away from co where Corby is, but he's a little bit more compact and he played more running back last year. And so he already has those snaps. And so really you're looking at this offense on paper. They have a dominant offensive line that's going to hit you. And then you have two running backs that are going to make it hard for you to, to, to go to work. You know, it really reminds me of that one Tennessee tight end squad back in the day well not that far back in the day but back when they had demarco murray and derrick henry and then they just ran both of them at you and a lot of teams struggled with that both of them kind of ate to be honest with you and so that's kind of what this team is looking like uh but also you throw in gavin garrettson class of 22 um <laughs> gavin garrettson has been requested a lot and i mean a lot from everyone from mead i'll say that um it's probably one of our most requested quarterbacks. And, you know, there's a reason for that. He's a very talented quarterback that throws on time, that's accurate, that could run. And, you know, going into this next season, he's somebody who, I mean, I don't know. <clears throat> I don't want to say we'll have a breakout season, but it's hard to imagine him not having a breakout season. I could definitely see him having a fantastic season and making a run towards a state and winning it all. Like, I... He, He's one of those other quarterbacks on this level, uh, along with Clayton Jacobs, that I just look at and I'm like, yeah, I'm very comfortable with him managing the offense and, you know, scoring if we're in a tough sitch in the third or fourth quarter. You know, he's that guy. We'll just say that. He's that guy and he's going to lead a lethal offense. And, you know, you just got to think about it, man. They're going to pound that rock and they're going to run it with uh, those two backs plus whatever other, you know, offensive players that come, they have coming up from JV who you know are going to be quality players because, you know, the Mead program is one of the best at developing their players all around. And so, you know, you have those guys and then. All, all of a sudden, you have a guy in Gavin Garrettson who could run a lot of play action and just honestly, honestly, just kill defenses with that, keeping them on their toes. And they're going to struggle a lot. I could just see it, you know. And so 
Gavin Garrettson, man, I think he's the key to all of this. I think he's the guy that kind of gives me that edge over a Roosevelt who doesn't have a quarterback, that edge over Lutheran who doesn't have, you know, kind of like that playoff experience that you'd want, uh, really, you know, because Gavin, I think, has been around for a lot longer than that. And then, you know, you look at some of these other teams, they just don't have a line as big as Meads. They don't have running backs as big as Meads. They don't have receivers or linebackers as big as Meads. And so on paper, and I think that's important to keep in mind, on paper, I think personally Mead is the obvious choice. But they do have a little bit of a history of choking in the playoffs and losing games that they shouldn't be losing. And you know what? I don't really blame that on the coaching staff uh, because they are a good coaching staff. I believe they do a really good job at developing their players and you know building good relationships with them and doing what's best for them. I have no doubt about that. You know, um, That's just my honest opinion. I, I, I just think it's just been really unlucky the last couple years, and this might be the year they get over that hump and they make it happen, you know? They get tired of losing in the first round, and all of a sudden, you have a team that's making a Cinderella run of sorts. But, um, Cody, why, why don't you tell me why Meade isn't your pick to win it all, and then, you know, why you believe in them as well as a contender? Yeah, sounds good. So, you know, I, uh, I actually have um, the... 2017, 2018, 2019 uh, playoffs, uh, like the rounds all pulled up. In 2017, Meade was the number one seed, and they lost in the quarterfinals to Longmont, 30-26, to as the number one seed to an eight seed. In 2018, they weren't ranked as high. This one, I think, is a bit more forgivable. They were the nine seed, and they lost to Palisade in the quarterfinals. 27 to 21. Uh, I think that's a bit more reasonable seeing as how they weren't the number one seed. In 2019, they were the number one seed and they lost in the quarterfinals to the eight seed, Green Mountain. So three years in a row, they didn't make it past the quarterfinals, two of which they were the number one seed. And then this past year, I don't really want to count that. It's a COVID year and it was a forfeit. But and but nonetheless, they never have made it to the semifinals in the past four years, even though they made the playoffs every single time and were a number one seed two of those times. So we'll we'll say two like two of those three times because we'll, we won't count the COVID one because that was, you know, there are obviously other things going on in the world. But to like, I guess I don't know what it's going to take to get over the hump or if they have what it takes to get over the hump just because i haven't seen them yet get over the hump they, they have been stalled they have stalled out constantly and uh like you said i mean this could be the year that they prove everyone wrong and that would be awesome but that history you know sometimes when you're labeled you tend to wear that label uh even if it's one that you don't want and it's like you know, if they think about it too much, it could easily be a self-fulfilling prophecy, whether that's on the coaching staff or in the players' minds. Like, that, so, there has to be something to spark that it's not going to happen again. You know what I'm saying? I just don't know what that is going to look like or what it may be. It could happen, but I, I want to see it. I want to see it, I guess is what I'm saying. In addition to that, they are losing 
over 130 tackles um, on the defensive side of the ball, losing their two leaders in Eli Mackey and Brady Borger, as well as uh, Nathan Bailey, who who was a dog on the offensive side of the ball. But I'm not really worried about the, the running backs, you know, th those yards being filled up just because I do think that Evan Morris here, like you said, 5'11", 216 pounds. I think that he's going to do a good job and go out there and perform for them. Corby Teku, Teku, who is very versatile as an offensive threat. Obviously, their leading receiver last year. Also got a couple of carries on the ground. You know, just a really strong, you know, potential running back or wide receiver uh, who could kind of do it all. That, you know, it, it that helps out as well. Garrettson here had a phenomenal year last year. You know, 11 TDs, two interceptions. And, you know, I think that that's obviously, you know, there's a lot to like here uh, about this Mead team. It, it, overall, there, there's a lot to like. Um, but I think that, you know, it, it's hard to overcome that history. And it's hard to recover this many tackles, I think. Um, and actually, um, let's see. Only three of their top 10 tacklers are returning. Granted, you know, you have uh, Lane Bumer, um, who, who is the third leading tackler. He's coming back and he's going to be a senior. You got Corby, who's also going to be senior. And their other leading tackler, uh, Will Tenor, who actually was a huge contributor. He was the leading um, sack uh, a guy uh, for this for this Mead team with four last year. So you're getting a pass rush back. Evan Morris also contributed with uh, two sacks, and it doesn't have their hurries listed, but I could assume a decent amount of hurries. So, you know, you're getting quite a bit back on this defensive line. I guess I kind of just merged into uh, the re what to like about this team, and that's that, you know, they have some young talent. They have a great offense set up, in my opinion. I do think that, you know, Evan Morris or Will here are going to have to step up uh, in the pass catching role because Bailey keys and sock, you know, uh, Hayden sock, that's 600 yards of receiving yards that you're losing as well. Um, so kind of a hard reset there outside of Corby, um, you know, who's also going to be getting looks out of the backfield too. So you're just, you're losing a lot of snaps. You're losing a lot of talent here, uh, especially on the defensive side of the ball. I think that that's probably the, obviously the biggest difference between Meade and Roosevelt is, Meade is returning three of their top 10 tacklers and Roosevelt is returning eight of their top 10 tacklers um, who, who, who have a proven like tackle for loss track record and, and are proven to ball. So those are my, my qualms I'd say, but you know, they are one of my contenders for a reason. Gavin Gerritsen, I think, you know, has a chance to light it up and really be, you know, Gavin Gerritsen, if he's the 3A player of the year, that means that Meade won the championship is that a fair statement and it's not like a lofty yes. it's not a lofty expectation either i don't think to to expect gavin garrettson to be in the running and or win 3a player of the year no and he's been ready to take that step forward i mean if you watch him run the offense from last year and even previous seasons you know he just I don't know. He runs it to he, he ran it pretty good, you know, and it's not like they have a pretty basic offense like, oh, hitch route, the slant, vertical, you know, like they caught some pretty uh, 
I'd say some pretty pretty diverse play calling there you know they had a lot of bunch sets uh you know um you know they weren't afraid to go into a spread and whatnot and have like you know four wide outs out there plus you know whatever tight end running backs uh, that you have in the backfield or whatever as well and so they ran a lot of different looks on offense and gavin ran all of them pretty well to be honest with you and you know i i say another year of experience under his belt and i'm just gonna throw this out there you know if i'm mead and, you know, you listed their playoff history, Cody. Uh, a lot of these kids grew up around Mead, and so they know they know that playoff history as well. I mean, if I was a coach, I'd ask them, like, are you tired of losing? Yeah, Coach V is what they probably said. Like, I, I hate losing. It sucks. <laughs> you know, I hate losing by six points every year in the quarterfinals or whatever. That's what they would say. And then I'll ask them again. Did it feel good to have your season end on a forfeit? Not even a real loss. Like, you didn't even have a choice there. Like, you just, you ended on a forfeit. And, you know, you could be argued that you had a choice there. But, you know, COVID's COVID, you know. And so, the answer would be like, no, nah, Coach V, that didn't feel good too. And then I'll say to them, all right, well, then go make all those other teams don't feel good either. You know, impose your dominance on these teams and make it happen because they it's about are. time, Mead. It's about time, and this is y'all's year. And I, hey, I'm buying into it. I'm buying into it, bro. I'm getting hyped just thinking about it. This is, I don't know. I just feel like this is the team of destiny, man. I think this is their year. At all those years of heartbreak leading up to this 2021 season, I think this is it. I think this is it. They've been staring at their meal for the past four years. Are they going to eat? That's that's the question for me this year. And I, too, am excited. I think that we have a lot of great competition here at the 3A level. I think that no matter how it how it breaks down, that we're going to have some great, great playoff games to go to. I don't even know how we're going to do it all because uh, we haven't even covered four or five A yet. But we are going to be some some busy uh, football watchers this fall. And I'm excited for it. Yes. Also, we're going to like cover. I, I don't know if people know that yet, but like we are going to go to games and then like talk about how those games go by, like kind of like games of the week type of deal. So I hope people know that. But um, but yeah, you know, and it's going to be exciting. And look, another another thing with me, like, hey, did it feel good seeing your rival Roosevelt go all the way to state and lose by seven points? A team that you probably feel like you could beat Roosevelt, that is. And by, you know, comparison, Durango, the answer is probably no. So I don't know, unless unless they're cool seeing Frederick and Roosevelt and all the rivals keep, you know, take turns going back to state and keep making playoff runs. I think this is their year. You know, enough is enough. I Not mean, to mention their next door neighbor, Erie, also moving up into 4A and also finding success. That makes them sick, too. I know yes, Scott I almost was, forgot. Scott was given... Uh, an earful about that, especially after we got our tails kicked by Erie. But anyways, I, um, that I don't doesn't know if help. You were supposed to say all that. <laughs> well, either way, Here we it are. doesn't feel good. I mean, that's that's the public opinion of this Mead High School squad, and not even forget like the high school squad. Like forget like all that. Like it's the com- it's the opinion of the community over at Mead. You know what I mean? Like they're not cool with regular season wins at least i wouldn't be cool with all these regular season wins who cares give me a chip bruh give me a ring and i think this is a team that feels that motivation high school football sorry say that again as i quit being the uh the bangles of high school football yeah or worse 
well, I don't know what's worse than the Bengals, but <laughs> still, though, <laughs> still though, like you know, it's about time, bro. It's about time. So you know, walk into every game like you own it. Every game you play in is your game. Every drive you play in and every play you make is your drive, your game. You know, every other team is playing your game. You know, you gotta have that mindset, and you really gotta have the mindset like like there's something to prove. Cause I'm just gonna be real with you. Like I could, I definitely feel, I definitely feel the history, and I think that's why a lot of teams around here in Colorado, and I feel like the opinion about Mead around Colorado is like, oh yeah, you know, they're a good regular season team, but they don't know how to win when it matters, and that's why they're not champs, and they will never be. And I, if I'm Mead, I take that personally. Like, oh, we're not champs. Watch this. Put on the 21 season, and that's all you gotta know, Sam. Cody, do you want to talk about schedule, though, while we're talking about this 21 season? Though? Yes, 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 yes. I, I almost spaced it out because I was getting caught up in the story of it all. But uh, <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. I got to be honest with you. There is not a lot of challenges on this schedule. Just just being kind of straight up. They, they open off against Pueblo Centennial, which is like whatever. Then they have Eagle Valley, Discovery Canyon, Northridge, Lewis Palmer. Yeah, so they absolutely kind of have no excuse to not be 5-0 and heading into this Roosevelt game, in my opinion. Oh, yeah, sorry. Um, yes. Discovery Canyon, you know, like I said, I don't... They're returning some players, and they're going to grow another year, so I wouldn't wouldn't count them out. I think but if this anything... Is a, this is a state contender. Oh, yeah. But I, I'm just saying, if I'm Meade, if anything, uh, I want to go into Colorado. I want to go into Colorado Springs and stomp Discovery Canyon is what I want to do, you know, because I think a lot of people are seeing that as kind of like the first like, oh, yeah, that's the first decent team they'll be playing. So, you know, um, but yeah, other than that, they should go five and leading into Roosevelt. Now, if they lose this Roosevelt game, I would I still wouldn't be worried. If it's they not time it, to pan- it's not time to panic. Yeah, this goes for both teams, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Like, I wouldn't be worried. I wouldn't be panicked. There would definitely be some reactions to take away from it. There's no doubt about that. There would be some reactions there. But I wouldn't, I I don't know, I wouldn't pin that on them, you know. Um, Just don't get blown out. I mean, that's, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. It's going to probably be a a one-score game, to be honest with you. So. I mean, it was literally a one-point game last year so yeah um, and they always play them tough like like i said they're rivals for a reason so but yeah that even if you lose this single game not time to panic then go down or i guess that thornton skyview comes to them take care of business take care of business against holy family i holy family's good but i don't think they should lose this game no, I don't think they should lose to Thompson out. Valley. I don't think they should lose to F- Frederick. Uh, granted, you did mention that they are rivals, so yeah. that may change the dynamic of the game a little bit. It is a home game. Do they share a stadium? Frederick and me? Yeah. Wait, where's Frederick? I don't think it's in Longmont, is it? Where's Frederick, Colorado? No, it's a town in Colorado. Okay. No. So that's good yeah. well you know frederick, how it is here in colorado no i oh i know i know uh frederick that might be a little bit more of a trap game 
uh, assuming the rest of this regular season goes well, that low-key might be a game they might want to think about resting players. I don't know if they will because it is a rivalry game and it is their last home game. And so uh, that's kind of a tough sitch, to be honest with you. But we'll see about that. Uh, Frederick is returning a lot of players. They had a very young team last year. I could only expect that they're going to take another step forward as um, a lot of them are finally becoming upperclassmen. And so uh, I wouldn't count that one out. If they lose that Frederick game, though, that might hurt their momentum, you know. And so I don't think that's a game you want to lose. I think that's a game, if anything, you want to make a statement in and finish out strong, you know. So uh, so there you go. Yes. Yeah. Well, so than that. that Meat is going to head into these playoffs, you know, obvious playoff team. At worst, at worst, seven and two, maybe. To be honest with you, even if they did win every single game here, eight and two. I think, I think the little system or whatever, what is it, RPI? Yeah, RPI. Yeah, might. it might be against them, which well, is still. They've they've been the number one seed before, so I, I feel like okay. Not saying that RPI is. Okay, I I gotta just leave it here. If 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 RPI like knows like your program name and y'all been around as a high seed, it also takes that into consideration. I'm not sure exactly what? how, but but some teams when even if they don't have a good year, they might get a better seeding. Um, just not even based on their schedule, but off of like past stuff. <laughs> what is that? What kind of don't worry. No, no, it. no. That doesn't make any sense. Why would Chast? Okay, whatever. I don't want to. We should probably end this episode soon, anyways. First off, RPI <laughs> is stupid, in my opinion. Just yes. go by the actual rankings, there, idiot. It's not that hard. Like wins and losses. Because I feel like you're favoring one team too many, or I don't know, all the wrong teams. That's how so a ten and zero Arapaho team gets like the three seed, even after beating Grandview. Uh, but wait, weren't y'all one was... and done in the playoffs? No, we managed this to the quarterfinals, bro. Oh, my, bro. We we beat I Bear didn't... Creek. Okay, okay, I didn't mean any disrespect, <laughs> <laughs> bro. Back out of here. He went to Dorothy, hey, 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 it's it's about the kids. It's about the kids. <laughs> all right, all right, yeah. Okay, speaking of uh, speaking of high school athletes, um, we are. DMs are still open, so send requests. If you're a class of 22 kiddo, you might have to wait until, you know, we kind of get our top five rankings in, which is going to be happening later on. Uh, we're doing, Simon already said he's doing some roster spotlights. I might do some as well, just about schools that I want to talk about a little bit more. Uh, so we might do something like that. However, if you want a specific request on your breakdown or if you're one of these schools that we talked about and you want to come onto the show for an interview, we would absolutely love to have you and, uh, you know, get more of an inside look uh, to what's going on in your program and with some athletes that maybe we didn't mention. Um, just kind of like we have with the Strasburg boys and as well as uh, Miles Sprague and Hayden Camp, which if you haven't, go ahead and listen to those interviews. They are anywhere you listen to podcasts, which is where you should find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor. Make sure to subscribe to us so you get notified every single time we post an episode. And or you can find us on social media on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, or Facebook, either at Playmakers Corner or at Playmaker Corner for Twitter specifically. 
and you will get notified when we post new episodes and new content there as well. Is there anything that I'm missing here, Simon? Nothing but a uh, Sco Bears. I feel like we uh, shouted out a lot of uh, our former college friends. So, so Sco Bears. Oh yeah, Sco Bears. I guess. Um, well, I I'm a true bear, but um, pause. I don't. Uh, whoa. Anyways, <laughs> I've been your co-host, Coach V. I'm your other co-host, Cody Stoffer. Not, wearing, not related not to Walter Stoffer. Not related. And uh, we will catch you next time on our 4A episode. Peace.